What's up, everybody? My name is Mark Indiel, and I am one of the creators of Yes Theory. And today we are on the 39th ever episode of the Ice Coffee Hour. And so far, the show has made over $36,000. So... That was, that was amazing. That was incredible. <laughs> it never rolls like that. That's just you guys. No way. Yeah, Wait, I wasn't recording. Wow. That was impressive. Wow. Thank, you, thank you guys for having me. Thank you. So, this is a trip. Like, there yeah. are very few people that I meet that like I can't believe you're here, Aww. that you exist, because I, I've been watching Yes Theory pre a million. Like, I remember when you guys did your million subscriber video, like the big celebration. Yeah. And I was so pumped for you back then, like before I was even making YouTube videos. Wow. So it's crazy to go from that and it, like be sitting here with you, man. What like, an talking honor. about this stuff? It's crazy. Likewise, we've been a fan of your stuff for you know for for a long time now, and I for mean weeks now. For, no, well, <laughs> one second. Yeah. This disclaimer. <laughs> I am like it's. Uh, there was a joke made before I came because I was telling Matt that I was, I was coming on your mm-hmm. show, and it's uh, for like the guy who cares the least about finance and about money on the team to be the one actually sitting here with you is quite is quite the joke for my. We got to talk wow. about that. Yeah. yeah, you were warning me. You were like, yeah. Graham, now it's time. Like, I'm gonna get my finances in yeah. order. We're gonna yeah. do this. 2021 is the yeah. year we turn it around. I mean, it is. It is truly one of my biggest discomforts, and I think it's. Uh, Today I was analyzing whether it's, you know, if it's just a matter of not liking money or not being finance oriented, because I feel I have the luxury of being in a team where it's very much up Matt's alley. He lo- he likes managing our money, making investments and like doing all that. So I felt, I feel like I can just kind of not worry about it and focus on the parts that I'm good at. But, but this year I just realized that I feel behind on my own financial literacy and understanding how things work. Like every day, just talking to, you know, Cliff tells me more about ways to optimize my financial situation, being a startup founder and being someone who lives in America, you know, an immigrant. So there is definitely a lot that I'm missing. And I, I'm starting to believe that it's no longer just uh, the excuse of being like, oh, I don't care about finance. I'm actually probably scared of finances. That's why I haven't yeah. pursued any kind of like seeking awareness, seeking knowledge in it. Well, it's not is, such a scary well, yeah. thing. Yeah. Once you know a little bit, it's not such a scary thing. This it's is nice an intervention. Thing. That's yeah. what this, oh, that's that's what this really is. We, we Very have, much need it. We have your parents in the back. We're going to have to sit down and talk about this. Let's just go all the way back. Uh, well, first of all, we should say I, I owe this all to, to Jack. That's true. Jack ran into you in Venice. He did. I was playing. I yeah. was mid uh, uh, paddle tennis uh, game on the beach. And and Jack walked by. I was like mid serving, and then and then he said something. He's like, "Oh, like Graham." I felt like, so bad. It's like, it, it was not yeah. the most comfortable experience for me, right? Like I saw someone yeah. I recognized from like YouTube, and I was like, oh, "Should I say hello? Should I say something?" And I called Graham yeah. before I went up to you, and I was like, "Graham, like I see a mark." That was yesterday. early. Wow, you're yeah. up. Yeah. I was like, I was like, should I, should I say something to him? Like, what's going on? And he's like, he's like, yeah, man, you gotta ask him you to come do on it, the podcast. I'm just trying like, to like hype him up. Yeah, he's trying to know? hype me up, and I'm thinking to myself like, like, oh, their whole channel's about like seeking discomfort nice. or whatever like i feel like i should i should just go for it and so i decided i was like all right i'm gonna ask him and i went to you i was like totally like called out graham's name i was like you graham seven, you know personal finance youtube videos i think he talks to thomas or something yeah, from yeah. Theory. and yeah. thomas had told me so that's yep. uh, that's when i connected the yeah so then and then you're like oh yeah tell me to dm me and then i guess we're here now that's so, so cool. interestingly enough yeah we just ran into each other serendipity here yeah we are yeah. So. so explain this yes theory from the very beginning. I know you've said this a bajillion times now, but for anybody who doesn't know you or hasn't heard the backstory, how did you get started doing this? And by the way, your channel has inspired, I think, millions of people to seek discomfort. I, the documentaries that you've made, the, the Iceman thing is so cool. I could 
anyway, I'll thank stop you so talking. much. So yeah. I'll, I'll take you back to 2015 yeah. uh, when I was a sophomore in at university in Canada. Um, I well, I guess maybe let's take it ten years back. Let's mm. take it to 2010, okay. mm. and that well, I was 15 at the time. Uh, made the decision that I was going to pursue edu- my education abroad uh, because I got an opportunity, uh, a scholarship to go to a boarding school in South Africa. Um, and the, pr- the purpose of the school was to bring together uh, the next generation of African leaders, people who wanted to solve different problems uh, in on the continent. Mm-hmm. And my personal interest was more in tech, social media. And so that was 2010. I left Egypt when I was 15. In 2011, a few months in, the Egyptian revolution happens, the Arab Spring, which is actually right now, uh, it's January 25th to February 11th was was when it took place. So we're yeah. like, we're in the anniversary, the 10th anniversary of that happening. So oh. 10 years ago, this took place. And that was a, a transformational moment for me where I realized that I want to work and create in this intersection of technology and storytelling. Cause I saw how much it impacted the narrative in Egypt and how young people were able to use, you know, the tools that are available today, Facebook and Twitter back at the time uh, to actually mobilize people and to bring people out, out on the street. And I, and I just, the power of the tools that we have and the power of the internet like manifested in the most powerful way I'd ever experienced. And that was really impactful for me. So I decided that after high school, I wanted to take a gap year because I wanted to see if maybe there's a path where I don't go to university and go back to Egypt right away, start working in tech, build something and contribute my part into like the revolution, this new wave of Mm -hmm. uh, for the country. But, you know, very quickly in 2013, which is when I did my gap year after graduating high school, I, this is, that was the time Egypt kind of crashed politically. And uh, I decided to do a gap year. And then after the gap year, I decided to go to university in Canada. Uh, the gap year was in San Francisco, lived there for a year. And then did two years in Canada at university where I studied cyber politics, cyber politics and cyber sociology. Mm. And I was, the, my school didn't have majors. They had questions. And my question at school was who controls cyberspace, which actually is very relevant to what's happening today, of course, which yeah. I, I'm very excited to talk to you about. Yeah. Um, but back Robin to, Hood. back to the, yes, exactly, exactly. Back to the yes theory narrative. Uh, I'm, I'm giving you the background because it brings me to Montreal in the summer of 2015, sophomore in university, had this idea for a tech startup that I was building, uh, went to Montreal to raise venture capital, uh, 19 years old, just not knowing what the hell I'm doing. And, mid that journey i end up sneaking into a party at a rooftop and where like the students live in, in montreal which is uh they have mcgill and concordia they're big two universities and i just showed up on this rooftop started talking to people and the more i talked to people the more people pointed at thomas being like you should talk to this guy you guys sound very similar and um 20 minutes later into being at the party i ran into thomas we talked there's this instant like chemistry there's this click that was just right there and we started it just felt like we've known each other for a very long time and the following day we met for coffee just started talking more he was tipsy at the time so you know it was just like in the fun but the following day was actually when we started talking about our aspirations what we wanted to build uh he was graduating university i was still in my second year so um there was a lot of synergies there and he told me that he'd been making uh, comedy skits on youtube but he it wasn't really his calling but he felt like his calling is still in, in, in creation on YouTube, but mm-hmm. he really wanted to figure out what, what the thing was. And he told me about his idea to do uh, 30 things he'd never done before in 30 days and tell a story about it every single day, Project 30. 
And at the time he had just met this other guy, Matt, who also went to the same university. They worked on a marketing uh, project together and he ended up bringing me uh, uh, in to meet Matt. And that was just like, that was it. I met Matt and it felt like the three of us were just like unstoppable when we were in the same room. Just right off the right off the bat the first conversation the level of like vision and dreaming and and this desire to truly live uh, a different take a different path than what the conventional one that was set for us and the one that society just tells us to go down finish university go work for the big company you know have a, the secure job yada yada um and at, at that point we just had this moment where for the next month we're gonna quit everything we're doing and we're gonna fully commit to this and so we did and after a month, we looked at each other. We saw that this was the deepest connection the three of us have ever developed. And that was like the closest each of us have ever gone to anyone. And we started to realize that there is such an immense power to discomfort and to the idea of consistently getting out of your comfort zone together mm-hmm. and being able to do that in the context of community. Uh, and actually the fact that by doing that, you're able to create community and have the strongest bond that you can possibly have. Uh, amongst you which is again this memory or accomplishment of doing something that you did not think Mm -hmm. that was possible and for us at at that moment is just like we're all in our early 20s not knowing you know what life is holding for us but at that moment our like our moment was we're gonna be together for this month we're gonna put everything aside and we're gonna fully focus on that so as i said like after the month we just uh it didn't take a lot of thinking for us to decide that we need to double down further on this into this and, and and really just see how we can take it to the next level. So from that point onwards, we all of us put everything we were doing on the side. I didn't go back to school, put my startup on hold. Same with Thomas, same with Matt. And within four months, we just fully committed all our resources, all our time. And uh, in November of 2015, so we started summer of 2015 in November, we got this very obscure e- email uh, being hey do you want, very informal hey do you want to move to venice beach and make videos together have a house together we're like what what is that i thought it was someone trolling us yeah got into it checked and it was a real company it was snapchat out here in venice beach california being like hey guys do you want to be the face of this new channel that we're doing and at the time we have eight thousand subscribers so there's it's not like this shouldn't be an opportunity that mm-hmm. a channel with eight thousand subscribers gets but uh, their thinking was the ethos of what we were doing and the meaning behind the why was so strong that they just trusted that you know we will adapt and and by having by by them giving us the exposure that Snapchat would give us at the time, uh, they kind of like believed in yes theory and believed that that could really take things to the next level and and it did as we you know as we started posting on on Snapchat in our first year after we moved to LA uh, that had like pretty good conversion to YouTube and gave us a good launchpad for for the channel. And then after a year of doing that with Snapchat, we just decided to fully take the risk, leave the money and the security that they provided and, and just do yesterday full time. Let me ask you about the Snapchat. So when they, this, the Snapchat, when they reached out to you, how were they funding you? Were were you trying to split the channel? Did they say, we're going to give you a house in Venice and just, we retain ownership of something or how, how did this 
come up. You see, these up. are the kind of questions that people yeah. don't really, people want to ask. Right. Like the actual nitty gritty is over. Yeah. I want to know. Of, and then of, I have a story. Don't forget me to tell you the story okay. about Snapchat. Yeah. But first, do you know what keeps me up at night, Graham? Your lack of Tinder matches? Nope, it's not that. Your inability to get a girlfriend? Jeez, dude, can you just please? No, it's, it's not that either. It's that tons of different businesses and entities actually have my private credit card information. I mean, every single time we make any transaction, we are literally giving away our credit card number. Luckily, privacy.com solves this problem so that I will never have to deal with this again. Let me break this down for you. It works like this. Instead of handing out my credit card to everyone, I can link my credit card to one of privacy's virtual cards. I can then pay for things using their card instead of my own. That's not even the best part. These privacy cards have massive perks, such as being able to pause the card instantly, set transaction limits, and cancel with the click of a button. This protects you from ever having to worry about your card ending up in the wrong hands. Plus, if you go with the Privacy Pro plan, you actually get 1% cash back. This is outside of any rewards you will receive from your real card. Oh my gosh, 1% cash back? People are actually making money with this plan. The cash back is super nice. Do yourself a favor and sign up for Privacy.com. There are literally so many perks, I cannot cover them all. On top of everything, you will receive a $5 credit by clicking the link below or heading to Privacy.com ICH. Trust me, you do not want to miss out. This is privacy.com slash ICH. Thank you so much, Privacy, for sponsoring this episode and back to the podcast. So the way it worked is um, they actually invested in yesterday. So there was an, a, a, a stake into... They, they just thought that the synergy that was going to be created by them giving us the opportunity to be on Snapchat and the, the quality of content that we were going to make for them, they thought it made sense that they also allow us to post this stuff on our YouTube channel and reap the benefits because it would only be on on Snapchat for 48 hours, 24 right. to 48 hours. Right. And that's it. It would never see the light of day again. So, you know, we were able... And again, it, this whole deal came genuinely because they believed in Yes Theory before they thought like, oh, this thing will make us money. Mm -hmm. They just like... So we were aligned throughout that, um, you know, we were able to create synergies and, and like making it a win-win for both of us for us to be here and not not just lose on the value of creating all this content for them but also be able to repurpose it and post it on our youtube but for them to get and also for them to get uh, a stake in yesterday at the time which you know it was it was just an idea it was nothing but we wow. end up yeah go on but that story ends yeah. up that story ends in 2019 when we buy back our shares Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so now can we go a little bit further? And like, how much do they invest? Because this is something I've wanted to do for quite some time. Before even making YouTube videos, I wanted to invest in a YouTube channel. I wanted to pick a creator at like, you know, 30, 40, 50,000 subscribers and be like, you know what? I'm going to pay for you to be able to quit your job, focus on this full time, but I want like 50% ownership. I'm, it's it's got to be like a 50%. So no, no. no. Yes, it, yeah. it, so it was, <clears throat> it was 20% ownership. Okay. And it was about, I have no idea if I'm allowed to say any of this, but I'm going to say it anyways. Yeah. It was a $50,000 in cash and throughout the year, between four hundred to $500,000 in production value. Wow. So and this is, wait, how many yeah. subs did you have at this time? We had like 10,000 subs. Yeah. Oh okay. So back God. then for you, I mean, looking back now, I'm sure it's a drop in the bucket, but back then they were taking a big gamble Absolutely. on you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So back then, that was a generous offer. Anybody would yeah. jump at that, and Especially they funded being, all of yeah. their ventures, and was like yeah. they were like the springboard to like all the success. Yeah. So, do you think there's a chance you wouldn't be here today if it were not for that offer? No. Okay. No. I think the yeah. biggest the reason I say no is 
immig- the immigration piece that because mm, that's the one yeah. piece that no matter how hard we worked or how much how many hours we committed that's the part that we were not gonna get past but actually not according to cliff <laughs> um we uh we ended up uh snapchat ended up facilitating the process of getting bringing in you know two out of the three of us were immigrants uh wow. and for me yeah, you know right. thomas is french swedish so right. it's things a little easier but for me as an egyptian moving here having dropped out of college so it's not like there's a, a case for yeah, the government right. to be like this guy's you know? <laughs> he has a youtube channel yeah yeah um so they were definitely instrumental to just you know really uh, i think the other thing that 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 they did for us is there was no financial restriction our, in, on our creativity right off the bat any idea that we that we that we dreamed we were able to make happen uh and that really like made a lot of made a big difference at the beginning um and and i feel like that's one of the main reasons that yesterday has been able to build such good momentum with our ideas and how advanced like we're we think about and flesh out each concept before mm. we create the story uh i think it definitely came from just having to do that wow. at a, such a deep level because we were working with budget working with traveling abroad and being not being here in america filming for most of the part when we were yeah. back then so everyone can understand what exactly like happened was that like yes or uh that snapchat gave you funding so you could post on snapchat stories when they were trying to like push their stories correct so again i want to i want to correct because it, it was a production wing that was with snapchat it was like we weren't dealing with snap uh, it was Vertical Networks, which was a, a joint venture between Snapchat and uh, uh, Elizabeth Murdoch, a big media investor. Yeah. And they were operating out of Venice, and they were building one of they built one of the first studios for Snapchat to to be able to make original content. So that's who the deal was with. And uh, uh, again, one of it wasn't ju- like the mentorship element and the, and the advising element. It was so big. I mean, yeah. we're just a bunch of dudes just finishing college from Canada, coming to LA, this big town where. You know, so many opportunities, so many people want to talk to us, so many agencies want to sign us. We just, uh, it made a big difference at the beginning to just have someone looking out for us. Wow. And so, yeah, we, there's cool. definitely, yeah. there's a massive, like, divine element to our story that I truly believe in. Like, I feel like at so many points we're protected in, in ways that were so unusual, uh, even in having, like, you know, our mentor through this investment come through and, and, and be with us along the journey throughout to give us the advice from yeah, how to handle the whole thing. Wow. Yeah. Here's my Snapchat story. This is yes. back when I was, uh, I must have been 21 or 22. So this was back in like 2010, 2011, 2012, like between 2010, 2013. Uh, I was doing a lot of leasing back then. So people would come to me as like, Graham, I want to, they would find me from Craigslist and they would say, I want to rent a house. Can you show me houses in this price point? And I probably get like 10 or 15 emails a day from different people wanting to see leases. And I got an email from a group of like three or four roommates saying that like, hey, we want a house in uh, Venice or Beverly Hills. We're not quite sure yet. Uh, we're all living together, but can you just show us all of these houses? And it, and, and usually I think like roommates I don't want to deal with roommates because usually what ends up having you waste a whole bunch of time. One of them doesn't like it. And then they all like, we're like, well, this guy doesn't like, so we're all going to start looking over here. And then what ends up happening like a, a month later, they're like, oh, we just each got our separate spot. So roommates rarely ever work out. So I asked another agent to just show them around. Hmm. 
And uh, and I did that. And I just honestly, I didn't follow up. But they would email me and say like, hey, we saw this place come up in Venice. Can you show it to us? Hey, we saw this place. And I just gave them to another agent. Didn't think anything of it. And then I run into that agent like a few weeks later. And he's like, Graham, those are really great clients you sent me. They're so cool. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're, they're roommates. He's like, or I didn't say that because <laughs> I didn't want it, But I'm like, oh, yeah, they are. And he's like... Yeah, no, I I didn't realize that they're they're the they're starting Snapchat or they, or they're they're setting up their business of Snapchat in Venice, and it turned out. Then I looked back. I was like, wait a second. So I looked back at them, and it turned out it was like four guys, like one of the original. I don't know. I don't think it was Evan, but I think it was this other guy and like three others that they were living together in Venice, looking to rent a house because they had set up that spot on like wow. Ocean Avenue, like yeah, right, yeah. right, yeah. yeah. Exactly, but it was that when they were first starting up. Now all of them are billionaires, and then I saw like a few years later they're all buying these like five and six million dollar spots in Venice from that. But I just didn't take it seriously in the beginning. So that was my Snapchat story. Lesson learned. So you know what? Next time you think it's it's roommates, maybe it's co-founders. Yeah, that's a huge yeah. It's a big upside here. You never know. But uh, that's incredible that Snapchat invested in you so early on. Yeah. And then how did you start just growing the channel from there? Like, what are some of the ideas that you used in the beginning to be like, this is going to go viral? Did you ever try to do that or was it all just organic? Also, were they giving you the advice on what you guys should do or was it all just you guys and then you just asked for funding for each event and then they're like, yeah, sure. Basically, we would give them all ideas of the things that we wanted and then they're like, we like that. Let's do that. So they just picked from our roster of Mm -hmm. ideas uh, what they thought would fit the platform, fit the demographic, fit the people that they want to talk to. Um, so yeah, uh, so that was if they advised us or not. And your question was, um, how did you start? How, how do you start channel? growing yeah. the channel? I think the number one thing was to fully commit full time mm-hmm. to not, you know, we were creating for Snapchat and that was taking a lot of time. And obviously, you know, still making, taking these cuts and doing it for YouTube, but still mentally our main focus was with our contract, with our, the commitment that is paying for the, paying the bills. Mm -hmm. So so I feel like, yeah, the biggest shift happened when we decided that this is the only thing we're we're doing and this is the year that we're going to hit a million subscribers. And we did, and we did like, it was truly just that, um, because there wasn't like a shift in the kind of ideas that we're coming up with or, I mean, obviously we were always seeking refinement and seeking like evolution in our ideas and never to get stagnant with formats or just get stuck in a little YouTube, you know, algorithm dark hole of, yeah. of, of these trends that people would just like do and never stop doing. Um, so, so yeah, it was just a matter of uh, giving it our full time and attention. And uh, early on, you know, algorithm rewards consistency and mm-hmm. big volume of upload and at some point we were able to reach posting three times a week um wow yeah i didn't i thought it was once a week no we, at some point we were doing uh sundays thursdays and tuesdays so like we sunday was the main video thursday was uh uh like a, a smaller adventure mm-hmm. and then tuesday was the house show which is kind of like more vloggy yep. what's happening around the house but you know, a part of us always thought that yes, theory, the main YouTube channel should not be diluted with like vlogging or showing things that are like subpar from the regular yes, theory concepts that people are used to. Like every story that you come to has to be life changing. Mm. And that we kept that as the, as the, like the standard for what we, what we create. Yeah. 
Isn't the problem how do you keep one-upping yourself? Because I imagine you've I, it's, you've done some crazy stuff. But first, do you like free stuff? That's because Audible's giving away a free credit that can be used on any book in their premium selection that comes with their free trial. With Audible, you can download content and listen to it offline. So when I'm hiking in the desert with no service, I can still listen to Matthew McConaughey's biography. And it's almost like he's taking a walk with me. If I'm having trouble sleeping from editing the podcast all night long, I can just turn on some of Audible's soothing sounds and fall asleep right away. If I'm getting ready for a date, I'll just turn on Kevin Hart and learn some new jokes to tell. You can listen to Audible when you're on the go or when you're just doing chores. I like to listen when I'm cooking, cleaning, or pretty much doing anything that doesn't require my full attention. Audible helps me maximize my time, learn new skills, and gain a better understanding of the things that I care about. Audible has over 300 years of audio content, so there's something for everyone. No matter if you're trying to learn new jokes for your next date or wanting to learn how to build a million dollar business. Audible has something for you. So if you want to check that out, visit audible.com slash iced coffee or text iced coffee to 500 500. And as always, if you're looking for more information, check out the description. Thank you so much Audible for sponsoring this podcast and back to the show. How do you decide like, I'm going to one up this. There's got to be a point eventually where you're just like, I'm out of just, I've conquered every fear imaginable. No, man. I mean, we started this by talking like, I think one of my biggest unconquered fears is, you know, my own relationship with money and finance. So mm-hmm. maybe, yeah, maybe on, on a on the outside, it seems like, well, at this point, he's, you know, jumped off all these things and did all these stunts. Like what else is, what, el- what other discomfort is he going to yeah. seek? But the reality is, you know, the more the more you seek discomfort, the more the more you discover like the depths inside of you that you need to really you know, fill and, right. and, 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 <laughs> oh. my time to shine. Oh. Let's seek some discomfort here. Graham needs what? to start spending money. That's, like, that's oh, the most no. uncomfortable thing yeah, that, for him. That's uncomfortable for me is spending money. If, if you told me. Oh my me, God, can we do an episode with you? I would love to spend your money. Graham would <laughs> spend money. I don't even paint. spend my money. I, I don't hurting. even spend it though. I was about to say like, if you told me like, Graham, you have to spend $10,000 on Rodeo Drive. I would be like in a panic. I mean like, it's a waste of money. Wow. No. Well, that's, I'm going to brainstorm, I'm going to brainstorm something to, yeah, (laughs) I feel like I've been looking at, uh, at this Ford GT and I, I, I've been looking like every day on eBay and like auto trader and just all these sites of just like a Ford GT, the anxiety that I get just looking at the price and just, it's not worth (laughs) it, but you know what? This isn't about me. This is about you today. (laughs) Why do you feel like you have so much discomfort around money? Was it, was it from your family? It was your family very much doesn't talk about money? Is, is no, it just- I think because I left when I was 15 and I realized that it was a big financial uh, commitment for my parents, even though I, I was on a pretty much a full scholarship to go. Mm. But my dad had to pay some somewhere between like three and $4,000 a year, um, which to put things in context, that was how much my... my 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 education along with my siblings for an entire year in Egypt, including all material would cost. Wow. So all of a sudden yeah. like one kid was just costing as much all as as much as all of them were costing together. Mm-hmm. So um I lit I was very much I didn't have any money in high school and uh that was very stressful because like I felt like I couldn't do so much of uh, of like exploring and being out and actually taking advantage of living in a different country. I was I was very much on campus all the time. And, and then when I like moved to San Francisco, I lived, I lived with host families that were very wealthy. So it also felt like I, you know, I was very much taken care of and never had to worry about money in that regard. So it went kind of from one extreme to the other, um, but still very much removed from needing to worry about money. And then 
I end up going to university on a full ride and they like I would get monthly stipends. So it, it kept almost the decision to to care about money or to deem it as like an important thing to me kept getting delayed circumstantially. And then obviously started yesterday with Matt and Thomas and I was definitely not going to be the one managing the money for the team. Right. You know, Matt was taking care of that. Um, and I just stayed in my lane creating, just coming up with coming up with ideas for videos, directing. And um, so it continued. Yeah. And now I think I convinced myself that it's the story that I don't really care about money. But when in reality, I know that all my dreams probably are dependent on me being in a good financial standing yep. to to drive because I have such big dreams and mm-hmm. you know I'm definitely I'm definitely gonna need money to it's make gonna, that happen. That's gonna cost money. Yeah, I was trying to count like in the last two years how many last three years how many podcasts I've done outside of our podcast. Yeah, and maybe there's two. It's Colin Samir, one of them. Cool. Wow, I, well, I, we're, right, we're we honored. honored. So, you know what? Quite a few people have come to us and be like, we never do podcasts, but this yeah. is the one. And I'm like, what? Yeah. This is yeah, crazy. That's why it's yeah. like uh, people always expect like, oh, I do podcasts, but it's I got a lot. We, to get, say. we get a lot yeah. of we get a lot of requests, but I just. I, for well, some reason, I don't feel it. compelled. So I, I'm we're honored on to be it. on it's here. So and cool. Thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to be having the conversation. Thank you. Why do you think you have this like inner drive to to do all these like crazy things and to be adventurous? Do you think that's just like an an eight thing? Like it's it's just within you. <laughs> I I believe that like our true power comes from our own recognition f- to to the free child inside of each of us. And what that free child truly desired and dream- and dreamt and wanted in in the world, because it it's very much like the the uncorrupted version of yourself before society kind of puts its shit on you. Um, and I just always see, I see the what you describe as the crazy things is like when I feel like the the most like a free child, like when I do the sky like the extreme sports stuff, whether it's skydiving, cliff jumping, or any of like the high energy things that I do. Just like that puts me in a state where I I feel connected to that, and I think this is where, like to me, it's not I'm not like an adrenaline junkie. It's it's almost to me that brings a meditative state where I feel more connected to myself than ever. So, I I feel yeah. like yeah. You need to explain what you're doing tomorrow through Friday because I was asking like, hey, will you want to do the podcast on Tuesday? And you're like, no, I I oh, it? Like I was like, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. So I am. It's actually a big deal. So I've been skydiving for two and a half years, and one of the main one of I have two big goals in skydiving. One is to do uh, a halo jump, which I'm gonna get to in a sec. Okay. The second is uh, to skydive over the pyramids in Egypt uh, in the next five years. That sounds expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How much are permits to do that? Oh uh, well, that's you see that's I don't not at all what I'm thinking about. So well, you fun. can do it without permits, but then just don't get no, arrested. No. Yeah, yeah, but, but I'm talking about the money part. Of, like I'm not thinking about you how much could, this is you cost. could do it without permits and put yes Siri uncensored just on your stomach oh. do a Vitali get down you get arrested but it's you're gonna Good all the PR. exactly yeah. all the PR yeah. Um, <laughs> so back to the Halo. Yeah, Halo it stands for high altitude low opening. So for the military. To avoid getting in the radar zone when you're going vertically that fast, you kind of you can really go undercover past the radar, like what where a radar is is detecting. So you're you're flying at night, like really high. You're getting out of the plane. Wait, you do this at night? I'm not gonna do it at night. Oh wow! But usually halos are are done at night. Um, and then so you open at like you jump at twenty five to thirty thousand feet, 
just really high up and really yeah, cold. Yeah, it's like planes yeah, are exactly, up there. Exactly. Wow. And then you deploy at 3,000, 2,000. <gasps> so you've got it, like 22,000. Where do you up. normally deploy? Like 10,000? Five. Five. Okay. Five is like safe. Three mm-hmm. and a half is usually when so, I end but up. We're, so we're talking a difference of what? Like five seconds? Every, every thousand feet of dropping is seven seconds. Wow. Is it normal skydiving like enough for you though? <laughs> no. Like why? I'm I feel like with that. It, all your, it's essentially the same thing. It's just like the free fall state, right? <laughs> it's just more Except dangerous. you're just doing it closer to the ground, going yeah. the same speed. It's like I think it's just the a matter of increasing the my the free risk? fall time. No, no, my free oh. fall time. Imagine <laughs> like I would be doubling my free fall. So instead of fall, falling for 50 seconds, I'd be going for like a minute 40 or a minute 50. Have you ever done one of those like dome things where you can get inside and they shoot air up at you? Yeah. And you're like, is that like uh, the same thing? So it's actually one of the most effective ways to train for skydiving because you can teach, you can practice different body positions and flipping midair and it's it's the same thing and you know in this case you can go in the tunnel for 10 minutes and that simulates 10 minutes of free fall which is 10 jumps so in 10 minutes you can get training that you you would need 10 jumps to do that's where like it gets wow. really efficient now here's the million dollar question is insurance insurance who insures you for this like any insurance company would be like you know what we don't want to cover that yeah, that's why i don't go to them my insurance is <laughs> <laughs> my insurance you, is just in, in in me running safety properly and really and understanding that my gear is yeah i have health insurance that covers extreme sports but i mean to insure they production, know you're doing this no, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. no. kaiser has entered yeah, the I, I didn't think so that's yeah I, you well, know if, Cigna, if anyone from Cigna is listening to this i i'm, well, yeah. I, I'm not a marking deal uh what got me on to the insurance thing was david blaine was talking about the insane insurance like loops that he has to jump through just to get insured and they're on site a lot of these times like with proper protocols but he's doing these like big extreme like just crazy stuff like what was the one in a balloon that he was doing Um, so he did a halo jump in a balloon so he went up with the balloon to 25 and that was it he let go but so actually you know this is um we had to face that with the stunt with will smith in 2018 yeah we we challenged will smith to heli bungee to, to bungee jump out of a helicopter and he ended up yeah, yeah and then he ended up accepting the challenge he wanted to do on his 50th birthday it became this huge youtube event as like the the live event of the year on youtube and that was the first time where we realized that our youtube world and what we you know and what we do with our productions and how just like very much guerrilla style run and gun uh, is so different from how th- this town runs and like all these layers of permits and and mm, insurance yeah. and this and that that in my mind i'm like well i mean it makes sense because will smith they have to he has to get like that kind of insurance but overall like for someone like david blaine i also bet he would be more than happy to do it without insurance but it's because that he, he's a part of a bigger production yes. that has mm-hmm. a legal team and has youtube's name on it like the more you end the more you yeah, yeah, you leave the realm of it being like creating as an uh, independently. The more you will start needing to abide to the rules of the game. That's yeah. very true. So Even, yeah. for me, like I'm doing this at my own risk. I'm doing it with the best coach in the world. I'm um, with the best gear. So for me, I'm like I'm not trying to like have someone pay all this money in case I die. You know, like yeah. I, I don't care about that because it adds such a big layer of complication in the way we prep for these things that I'm not. I'd rather do that. That that is true. That's the nice part about making YouTube videos is that you could just walk down the street and film. <laughs> and when they're filming like something like Selling Sunset, 
they have to give notices to every mm-hmm. single storefront yep. for like a week or two prior. Yep. And then if you don't agree with the notice, you could dispute it. And then it could go through like this this weird, so where, where, where it's like it's just with the city and then back and forth and it could delay it months. It's, it's crazy. And that's just for like w- filming a scene indoors. But if they're going to be using the parking lot or like anything, you got to notify everybody. Yeah. Versus like Danny Duncan can just go to Hollywood Boulevard and just flip on a camera and just, it's it's wild. It is, but I mean, I wonder where where is gonna be the the breaking point for like YouTubers not being able to allow to like to just go down on the boardwalk and fell in water. I don't think there is gonna be a breaking point because when do you draw the line between someone just like, hey, I'm I'm videotaping my mom at her first time at the pier versus no, you have four million subscribers, so you gotta pay a permit. Yeah, they're never gonna put some arbitrary like over a million subs permit, under a million <laughs> subs no permit. I don't think they're ever gonna get like that. I hope but, so. But it's once you get like a production crew behind it, then there becomes this big like conglomerate that yeah. you could sue. Yeah, like somebody trips on a wire. And then they they stub their toe, and that's like twenty million bucks to CBS yeah. for doing that. But really quick, we have a word from our sponsor, Skillshare. Skillshare is the best platform to use if you are a creative or curious person looking to learn a new skill. They have thousands of inspiring classes for all kinds of people on topics ranging from illustration and design to photography, editing, and more. So I'm actually in the middle of a course from Ali Abdal called Video Editing with Final Cut Pro 10 from Beginner to YouTuber. And I actually love this course. I've been finding it really valuable, all of the editing tips and tricks that Ali can provide. And of course, I recognize that not all of you are editors. Skillshare is made for everyone. There are loads of other classes to take that cover a very wide range of topics. Skillshare is also incredibly affordable, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. Even if you don't have anything specific in mind, I think it's always a great thing to be continuously learning and trying out new things. And there isn't a better place to be doing all of that than Skillshare, so I strongly encourage you to check it out. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash Iced Coffee, where our listeners will get a free trial of premium membership. I strongly encourage you guys to go check it out. At least go try out the free trial. Trust me, you're gonna love it. That's Skillshare.com slash Iced Coffee. Thank you so much, Skillshare and back to the podcast but just listening to you i would say i i I think just from what i've gathered so far you're very much a creative type and that i think leads the way not so much financially but i think just this the aspirations outweigh almost anything else Mm. i don't think it's a bad thing uh most of my family i think is is the same way it's very much just creative and when it comes to finances that's just this this abstract thing that they've never really thought about before Mm. so it makes sense and i don't think it's a bad thing at all uh, I could probably use more creativity in my life besides the thumbnails. Well, we that's can, where, yeah. All right. You, you know, rob my back of yours. You <laughs> we'll see, yeah. As long as you just love spending money. <laughs> but yeah, I'll help be, you spend yeah. money and or help you save money. Or heights. That's another thing. Mm-hmm. Heights I couldn't do. Couldn't do? Okay. Yeah, well, I get so anxious over that. Have you been skydiving before? No, I never will. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are will. doing this live on the podcast. I never Graham will. is going to be joining me skydiving next week. Since I I'm going to be going back He's to training anyways. No, we'll, we'll <laughs> start. Night. We'll we'll start with yeah. just a regular jump. So uh, next week, yeah, make sure you you comment and and uh, if this video gets how many how many how many views did you get? If this video twenty five million. Okay, yeah, no, no, no. If this, no, no. If this video gets ten thousand likes, uh, Graham is definitely doing this with me next week. No, not ten thousand likes. Maybe a hundred thousand likes. A hundred, ten thousand likes, guys. Okay, okay guys, wait, 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 what's yeah, the yeah, high, what's like the most likes you've gotten on a podcast? Actually, probably like no twenty. Twenty. Okay. 20, if this video gets thirty thousand <laughs> likes, Graham is going to be joining me, and he's going to be jumping. Out Don't of thirteen thousand like feet. Do not Please like, like the video. Do you agree to this? 
No. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Agreement agrees to it. Yes. Yeah, would, verbal I agreement. I heard it. it. Yeah. I would. Hey, man, I'm, I'm coming. I'm. I don't even go on podcasts, and I'm I on your podcast. I wouldn't do it. I, I, Come that's on. One, no, I wouldn't do it. Graham, I, I, wow. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. Joe, yes, why you don't you do it? I don't want to do it. What do you mean, Chick Jackson? No, no. I also I want the guy who doesn't want to do it more. Chuck really doesn't want to do it. We'll give this a try at the end. I I think we can try it at the end. I'm not gonna. I would say if if I got paid, uh, a million dollars for me to go. Way, yeah, that much, yeah. I just wouldn't do it. Oh my god, okay. Yeah. Well, 30,000 <laughs> likes right now, please. And then, and then, I, if, <laughs> and then, if it gets 30,000 likes, I'm gonna show up to his house. Like, but why and take increase? I, I like I like life too much. Like, why do something that would just put me at risk a little bit more of something happening? Just a little bit more. Let's say there's a one in a thousand chance. You see, one in a thousand. That is, like, I, that I is an amazing segue to my next point because we yeah. started talking about. Uh, skydiving and there's like this f- funny saying yeah. that we always say for people who are scared is that you're more likely to die in a car accident than you're likely to die skydiving and it's statistically true. But, that's, but statistic isn't that because true. people just don't skydive? <laughs> so few people well, want to do it? It's still true. That's the point. It's still true. And I end up the when I so I had a previous attempt where I was training for the stunt and I was going to do it in September of, of 2020 and on August 28th, on my way back, I end up getting in a deadly car accident. Almost, almost took that's my life. That's right. The car flipped, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. yeah. So that's uh, that's why I'm like, you know, you just don't know when you say like, why do something that increases that risk? That's, yeah. You actually don't know if that moment of skydiving will, you know, significantly impact your perspective about life and your appreciation for where you live, or you know, in comparison for whatever perceived risk that you're thinking will add to your Gosh, Graham is yeah. not falling for it. I feel like he's the exact <laughs> opposite of you. Like, Graham <laughs> yeah. lives in comfort. That's like, <laughs> his whole life is like, That's what true. is the most comfortable thing he can do? That is, that is very true. <laughs> we're, we're working on I it. don't leave the house, no. rarely. It's no. a, the, the extent of me leaving the house is like, let's go pick up sushi from Sushi Ippo because they have a good deal. Because, yeah, it's cheap. It's, it's cheap. It's a good deal. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, mine is just seek comfort. That's that's Graham's motto. <laughs> no, could just no, get a shirt no. that says that. That's me. You gotta <laughs> heated I'll, seats I'll, I'll in the spend car. your money and I'll take you skydiving. Sounds horrible. I, I like that being like the takeaway of today. <laughs> I'll spend Graham's money. I and like take that. Skydiving. I yeah. love that. I yeah. I gotta say, like like since you do so many uncomfortable things, that's like your thing. Do things still make you uncomfortable, or is everything just like easy for you now? Um. As I said, it's like the more you seek discomfort, the more you realize your own capacity for uh, like self-improvement, right? Like it's, it, you're never going to reach a point where I'm like, you know what? I'm very happy with where I'm, with where I'm at. I don't want to improve anymore. And the process of improving is the process of seeking discomfort. So it's like to say that I've gotten so good at seeking discomfort means that I never approach seeking discomfort in the right way in the first place. Cause it's, it, it's, it's never supposed to run out. Right. There's always some, right. something there's that always you can something pursue. There. Yeah. But then again, I'm sure that you're getting better at being comfortable. Like, yes. like certain things, for example, like last time I was at the grocery store, I forgot to get charcoal from my grill and I was already in line and I was like checking out. I was like, oh, can, can I go grab something really quickly <laughs> to the guy like at the you know cash register? And it was uncomfortable for me. Mm. Like I, <laughs> I didn't like saying that because there are people behind me waiting in line and I'm like, oh, I gotta go get my thing now. That was really uncomfortable. Like, Stuff like that. You, you like, know, it's like the way I see it. So definitely I'm more, I'm more comfortable. Like I'm very comfortable now expressing myself, saying 
going up to anyone on the street, telling them whatever it is that I want to tell them. So the next level of discomfort here is to be able to use this comfort to maybe step in situations where someone else might might need it. You know, someone's stuck in a situation where it's you know they I'm seeing that they can't really express themselves or or get what they what they want. So maybe that's a moment where I use this extra comfort that I have with situations like mm. this to step in and and be uncomfortable. Work. Yeah, and be uncomfortable in a situation that it doesn't that is not mine. So I always like this is the leveling up that I see in in discomfort. It's like, well, if I'm so good at something, then I should probably use it to benefit someone else. Um, and in this, like, if you follow that like philosophy, you'll never it will never get to a point where you're like, oh yeah, I'm good. I shouldn't seek any more discomfort. You gonna write a book one day? Yeah, dude. Matt is writing the book. Really? Yeah, Matt is writing the book. So end of 2021, that's when the first Yes Theory book is gonna be out, and he's definitely the better writer. Is it going to have pictures in it? I think so. <laughs> is it yeah. going to be a picture? Is it going to be yeah. a cartoon? <laughs> yeah. It's no, going to be a comic strip? Oh, man. We have yeah. we have like a thousand Polaroids from our past wow. five years. I'm yeah. like big on Polaroids and big on like keeping I didn't, photos. Yeah, I didn't realize what it takes to be a New York Times bestseller is just 10,000 yeah. copies. Yeah. So you like do that. Anybody, yeah, anybody. I, well, not anybody. It could be a New York Times. But I feel like that's achievable just to sell 10,000 copies. Well, if you just put the price super, super low. Yeah, it's, everybody buys like, it, yeah. like a dollar. Yeah. $5 an e-download, whatever. So there's, yeah. there, there's a little tricky because you have to go to be... Like is the way they submit the list, yeah, yeah, it has to be physical. Oh, yeah. okay, There's like sure. a few very, yeah, old All right, school. So like sell it seven bucks, that's break even. Yeah, yeah. hardcover's got to be like twelve. Sure, you could do but that. But it's yeah, definitely, a- yeah. There's uh, uh, there's people who like back engine, like reverse engineer the process of like being top of a category on Amazon, and they can tell you exactly how much money it will require, how many copies. Yeah. Like they give you the full breakdown of how much you need to pay to get to like the number one and how much and what the return will be. I wonder if there's a way to game this where I could be like, guys, I'm coming out with my book. It's one page long and just, it's going to be like five bucks where I'll lose money on it. But then I could call myself a New York times bestseller. Maybe you open the book and it's just like smash like button or just like some, some one little word. That's the end of the book. You know, something, this is like a very yes theory idea, but you know, writing a book in 24 hours and making it a New York bestseller. If it's gonna be a page like, oh wow, come up with cool. like what is yeah, you know the twenty yeah. pages of that you can write in a day? Oh, that, can that be would like be terrible killer. because it's, I I feel like the pressure. It'd be an like, essay. You have to get done in twenty four hours. That would be a lot of fun. Have you thought about doing that? So I mean, it's we're brainstorming now what ideas can help with the launch of the book when 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 Matt is ready. Um, I mean, he's gonna take nine months to write it, so it's definitely not gonna be twenty four hours, but uh, a week. I feel like a week. A would week, be a good yeah. Time, a week yeah. sounds good. A week does sound like this way it can actually be a book rather than an essay. You should, you should really think that, about it. That would be interesting. See, that's something I would do in comfort, though, <laughs> at home. Yeah. I would totally do that. I think that would be amazing to be do able it. to do that one week to be a New York Times bestseller. And I'm sure, I'm sure people would love to have just like your knowledge synthesized yeah. in, in book form. That would be cool. Yeah. I might do that. Go ahead. That, that, I'll, Go ahead okay, God, it, I'll do that. Be a, I'll be do a it. New York Times bestseller. I'll do it. Okay, okay, fine. Okay, fine. I'll do it. I just, I find yeah. it amazing because, like, a lot of our guests, I feel like sometimes it could be a little uncomfortable coming on to, like, somebody's podcast, especially if it's about finance, where we, like, grill them about their finances. But, like, look at you, man. You're, like, sitting back. Oh, yeah, you're the most like, laid so back so comfortable guess. right so now. I want you're, to hold the mic yeah, in my hand. Your legs yeah. are, like, crisscross applesauce. Just... <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome. You're chilling, man. Okay, so now let's let's make you uncomfortable here. Let's talk about the finances of Yes Theory. Mm. Can can you talk about that, or how much how much can we talk about, or we just talk about you? I'm I'm just curious. 
You see, I I would have I don't I don't know if the finances of yes theory because we're in this like transitional moment for okay. us as a company, so I don't know how much I. Uh, but I mean, like, we could talk about, like, let's talk about you. Yeah. So I'm guessing what, what happens is yes, theory is a company that's owned by all of you. And then you pull a salary from that. I'm guessing, right? That's correct. Okay. Can we talk about what, what, what salary you've decided to take from there? And also (laughs) how much did you buy back your portion from Snapchat? Oh, we're getting there. We're getting there, man. We're getting there. So I can't disclose that, but we got a hell of a good deal. Like, like, Why did they go out on such a limb for you, yeah, dude? Like we, we really, as I said, that's what when I say like there's this divinity in our story. Like okay. to even see that investors, <laughs> you know, giving giving us back our shares, knowing that they could definitely get more, but out of just like the good in them and not wanting to drain yesterday out of cash, they truly just honored that. That was that was incredible. Yeah, and uh, and again, it's like a testimony for creating with purpose and when you know your purpose is, is at the center of what you do even in situations where that's never what that should never happen like there's a finance guy there in that room that yeah. is not supposed to left a penny on the table you know un unutilized yeah. but for us like there's this like they just fully understood that you know we shouldn't these guys are just starting their career and they have big plans for what they want to do with the company so let's not drain them out of the cash that's and, good yeah so cool. Good on Snapchat. Good yeah. guy, Snapchat. Yeah, shout out to Vertical Networks. There and, we go. Yeah, and then how how easy they made that. Um, for yeah, there, we do have we do take salaries. Uh, man, I I have no, we've Where never ever talked yeah. about numbers, so I don't yeah. even like inter- for the team. I don't even want like know what their expectation for like what are we what what we're supposed to share. Like we've never talked about That's this because I don't want to put you on the spot. Whatever you <laughs> we feel don't want to make you uncomfortable here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm okay with what, that. What, honestly, whatever you're comfortable talking about, and and it serves a part. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna go from that, but then we're gonna deviate to like exactly where it breaks down and and how to improve that. Yeah. If you want to share numbers, or you could be I, like, it's, I'd say, yeah, I, I, I'll keep it as like undisclosed. Okay. Yeah. So the way it works is we take a salary, uh, not nothing too crazy. We're keeping that low. And then at the end of the year, since we're shareholders in the business, we get distributions. And again, we very much keep a, a, most of it in the business because we want to reinvest. Uh, but we make sure that I mean, for the first three years, we were not paying ourselves. Mm-hmm. So the whole paying it's like a thing off the past two years is when we actually started building, uh, like having liquid in our bank account. Before that, yeah. it was just like we were living off the business, and you know, business covering travel expenses, transportation, house, all all these things, and we were just like happy yeah. putting all the money back in. That makes sense too. I I would agree with that, and I would imagine. See, I don't know if the the overhead has to be high because I've seen that crazy nice place. Don't you have two places? We ha- we have we have our yeah. apartments, like which is where we live. Yeah, uh, and then we have the yes house. The yes house. Yes, that looks so cool. With the you got the aquarium in there. You got the multi levels. I saw that place. I'm like, oh, hey, that's you gotta come visit. Perfect. I want yeah, to. Yeah, I want it. I want to come visit. Come. This I would week, love anytime. to. Yeah, I yeah, would love to. Um, but yeah, I mean, so for that because we didn't get like an office office this is a live work Mm -hmm. for like artists and living uh it's not as crazy expensive as you think for you know a full company where you've got seven employees so we pay 7200 a month for that and it's on it's a nice it's a nice spot abbott candy prime location very 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 much prime location and um 
you know, compared to other commercial spaces that I was touring uh, before we made the decision on that, which was like, I think the minimum was 12 yep. in Venice at the time. So we're a lot lower and we're able, and that, you know, gave us leeway to be able to, I was, I fully designed the place and customized it, worked with artists and architect best friend on, on, on setting it up. So it definitely gave us leeway to be able to spend more on making it feel like our yeah. space. Commercial real estate is so behind on this. There's so many people now that are renting houses instead of renting an office because a house is nicer and it's way less money. You get the same thing for half the cost. It's yep. incredible. Yeah, especially in, in the current landscape of of how people are running their companies, being like that mix of like remote and onsite. Yeah, a lot of like we, I was just visited a friend yesterday who gave up his forty thousand uh, dollars a month lease on Lincoln to get. Uh, for a commercial space mm -hmm. to get this amazing house in in Mar Vista that has great pool, a hot probably tub. like eighteen. It, it, yeah. Wow, really? Holy right. <laughs> spot off! The real, the real estate agent wow. in me, yeah, man. I know, I know how much this Mar Vista was, place is. Yeah, going, yeah. I was like, damn. No, because I figured it's a new construction. I yeah, know yeah. They, they all did. They're just cookie cutter <laughs> play, but yeah, they they all rent for eighteen. Wow, <laughs> spot on. Um, so yeah, we. Yeah. Uh, that that helped a lot with just like being able to make the decision on on optimizing for space early on. Okay, so where's the money going? Yeah, your own personal expenses. Yes, because I'm sure a lot of your like yeah. expenditures are just like business expenses, as you said, like yeah, flights, right. food when you're working and stuff like that. Like, what is my biggest expense? Clothes. I I don't I don't food. get. Yeah, food maybe like, but I'm also not like I don't go to fancy restaurants. I'm just when I. If I'm gonna like, I I just it's like the basics. I don't really spend on anything. I mean, my biggest my biggest cost so far is I'm investing in uh, a foreign country's economy to get their passport hmm. to be able. That's to interesting. Have, yeah, what to, country? Saint Kitts. How small much is Caribbean. that? Two fifty. One one twenty. One twenty. Yeah. Wow. What's the advantage of doing that? The advantage of doing that is compared to my Egyptian passport that gives that gets me into fifty four country visa freeze and it's the fifty four countries that you've never heard of that you'll that you probably wouldn't want to visit. So my passport is pretty useless for travel. Mm. Everywhere I go, I need to apply for a visa. I need to show up in person. I need to show them that I financially capable or won't break my visa and like run away to their country. So it's it's just the most annoying process, and it has prevented me from participating in fifty percent of travel videos for yesterday wow yeah so there's like a big part of yesterday that i'm missing thomas is you know in the process of he's going to chernobyl in ukraine he's going to mauritania to do like this crazy train ride like all these the most amazing adventures and the only reason i'm not participating is because it's just really complicated with my egyptian passport um and you know i just thought at some point it made sense i did the math and and it made like that investment made sense for my career and my own personal just well being and uh, being able to enjoy the opportunities that I yeah. that I get. So the the Senkits passport will allow me to get into 154 countries visa free, including the UK, uh, uh, Schengen area, so Europe, all yeah. of Europe, uh, Russia, like all these countries that you know before it would be a nightmare. To or get you could just before. get married. So marriage was always something that you know my immigration lawyer was bringing up, but. It's not as, as straightforward as people think hmm. it is. And it's not as clean as, as just like, oh, yeah, let, let me just pay this person and get me. And I also just didn't want this to be how I get a status in 
Okay. You know? I get that. Yeah. Sure. Like I want I just wanted it to be I like I know that I can do work that that makes me deserve to be here. Okay. And I want it to be through that uh through that process and right now the visa that I currently hold in the US will transfer to a green card in the next round and then after that 3 years after that I'll be able to get a passport to the US. Mm. But because my Egyptian passport expires sooner than that timeline, I need to figure out uh a way to to go to get around it so St. Kitts became uh the the solution. All right, so where is your money now going? Let's get back to this. We're we're skirting Where's around my the money question going? here. And what yeah, what what do you want to work Dogecoin. on with your, Dogecoin. Dogecoin. Did you invest any in Dogecoin? I just like I was in an Uber ride in Austin going to a friend's house and then I was seeing all the fuzz on yeah. on social media and I was like, ah, put 150. It's my first I, like I downloaded Robinhood in the Uber ride. No yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just like put 150 and I finished dinner and I looked at my account. And I was like, there's $500 in it. Wow. So was I, that right before the Elon Musk tweet? It must have yeah, been. Beginner's yeah. luck right there. That's beginner's that luck. Yeah. Every, beginner's yeah, every beginner gets one sell? win. I did not. I, I sold to, 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 put, to get back the money that at the 150 and I left the rest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Dude, so wow. now it's just like the money is well done. Yeah. So where else are you investing? Or uh, how do you want to improve oh, your actually, finances? So yeah. I'll I'll tell you the All biggest. Right, I, have, I mean, my biggest investment in twenty twenty was uh, uh, Speechify, which is Cliff's company. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm more focused on uh, investing my money into projects that I can engage with, and 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 uh, you know, so far I've done four investments. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tanzu Tea. Uh, which is a matcha company uh, our friend started a few years ago. Okay. Liquid IV, which just exited with uh, Unilever. They, uh, sent, they sent us some some stuff. Did they? Nice. Yes. Yeah, great. Yeah, um, wait, so you exited that position? No, no, no. Oh, the company didn't. exited after we invested. So that, that like... It was a buyout? It was, yeah, they got acquired. Wait, so you were able to pull out your money? I'm... Yeah, we, I mean, the money made its return. So, so that's like, that's that was our first successful. Beginner's luck. Beginner's that was our luck. first successful. What, can you just tell us the, the ROI on that? It was like it was, 10x or 50x? It or? was like, we invested in the last round and it was 3 three or 4x. Okay, yeah, yeah. last round. Yeah. Early rounds would be Early rounds would be, yeah. That's so, what you want, man. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's all my investment in Speechify is for. Wow. <laughs> it's for all those exes. Okay, so and you're uh, investing in startups yes, mainly. Okay. Yes, and that's like, you know, I, I was actually telling Thomas, like, it, I hate the idea that, and I know you're going you're yeah. to really agree with me on that, but like putting on in all these like retirement funds and all these, mm-hmm. fun, like I hate the idea of putting money to, to just sit like that. I don't care how much it's making. I don't I don't care about the compound and all of that. I just feel like I'm a lot happier to just be putting this money in a young entrepreneur that is just like doing actually something meaningful. Because at the end of the day, I, I don't think my wealth is going to come from whatever I put on the side for my, you know, for my separate IRA or anything. Not of that. with that attitude. I know, I know, I know, bro. Yeah. That's why I'm Here's here. Thing, That's man. why I'm good. I, I think, I think you're doing enough and you're living frugally enough. We're putting $50,000 a year into the stock market in a boring retirement fund is not going to change your life. It's mm. not going to do any, it's you're, you're not going to notice any different. You could still do all the other investments you want. You could live exactly the same, except you could put $50,000 a year, like 5,000 a month into the S&P 500. Mm. That's it. And here, here's the benefit. Here's how I could spin this around for you. Think of it this way. You will grow your money consistently so that when you find a really good deal 
and you find a startup and an investor that like you really believe in, you have all this money sitting on the sidelines. So you could be like, all right, I'm going to use that money and I'm going to invest in this mm. really good opportunity. Mm. Or you just leave it there. <clears throat> so you think of it that way. Yeah. Yeah, are you just like sitting on a bunch of cash in your bank account? Yeah. No, don't tell me it's in a check. It better not be in a checking account. Is it a high account. interest? It is in a checking account. It's in a checking account. No. <laughs> Can I, is it, is it over six figures in a checking account? Yes. Oh, Wait, come six on. figures is, is what? Uh, over 100,000. 100, yeah. No, come on. Nah, come on. No, nah. no. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, okay. Well, first of all, I'm going to tell you immediately what you should do tonight is sign up for Ally Bank. Okay. So it's an online bank, totally free. Ally Bank. Ally Bank. Now, I could pitch, depends on what you want to do. I could pitch uh, Yada Bank, which is the company that I invested in. That was a, that was my first startup investment okay. ever was Yada Bank. It's a savings account that rewards you for every $25 you save. You get one entry to be able to win a prize anywhere from like 10 oh, I cents. I post about yeah, that. Yeah, 10 cents up to like 10 million bucks. Some guy won 40 grand. Mm -hmm. Some wow. guy I, I forget, is it Mark or something like that? Yeah. I can't believe it. Uh, that, that's been the top prize ever paid out by Yada Bank so far. Wow. So if you want to do that, the, the interest rate on that right now works out to be about 1.8 to 2%. But that's spread across a year for all prizes. Mm. Uh, or Ally Bank is just a guaranteed, I think it's 0.5 or 0.6%. They're a great online bank. If you want to use them for like checking and stuff like that, that's what I would recommend. Yada Bank is just a saving. So if you knew like, Next month or two, you're not going to use that money. You want the best return, Yada Bank. Okay. If you want like a bank account, you think, hey, maybe next week I'm going to use the money. I want all of it. Uh, and a customer service line, I could call them up and do Ally Bank. Okay. Well, that's that's really great advice. So, yeah. Huh. So that's what I would do. And then at the very least, you're going to get half a percent in interest, which is not much at all. But it's better than getting nothing. Yeah. You know what actually would make this worse if you said the bank was Wells Fargo? No, it's Chase. Oh, okay. Okay, good. I, I have Chase. Yeah. So Chase is decent. But yeah, you got to get the money out of there. Okay. Because your money, because think of it, if, if you've kept that money, let's just say you've kept 100000 in a checking account over the last year, really what you're missing out on, you've just sacrificed $20,000 in profit by just keeping your money out of the market for the last year. 20%, well, 20 you're grand. Also losing money. Wow. Yeah, and you're losing well well you could say that for the 20 percent return on the market too is subject to inflation but i would just say just cancel that out 20 grand is how much you've just left on the table by wow. not making a decision on that just keeping it cash mm -hmm. now we're all guilty of it we all have uninvested money and there's a chance the market could have gone down in mm -hmm. which case you know good on you for keeping the money in cash but overall you're gonna have more gainers than losers yeah and overall i think it'd be pretty safe to say you're leaving about seven to nine thousand dollars a table on, on the table yeah. every year for every hundred thousand dollars you, you're just leaving in there. Well, time to change that. Yeah, evidently. <laughs> yeah, and twenty grand. Think of it this way too. Wow. Like this would because I think as long as we could we could relate this back to what you want to do, which is investing in entrepreneurs, that's an extra ten grand right yeah. there that you could be investing back for every hundred thousand. So yeah. just think of it. I'm investing my money so that I have more left over that I can invest in these other things I'm really passionate about. But in the meantime, I may as well be doing this boring stuff because it just it pays the bills. Hmm. Have you st have you thought of starting a like a fund? No. Never want to do that. Really? Uh, no, because YouTube is, is where I think my strength is. Uh. And I don't want to deviate my time. Because I know, like, in order for me to do something well and for a startup, that's got to be 24-7. Yeah. And I can't do YouTube and that. I feel like YouTube is, is like, the machine. And I want to be involved in startups that I would be able to, to work on just as an ideas person and then create content around that. Like, Yada Bank was something that 
I Yana never asked for a video, by the way, at all. But I purposely invested in Yana Bank because I love them, but also because I knew that like I'd be able to make such a fun video with this. And mm. like as my first angel investment, I could explain why I invested in them. I could talk about the company. And then I was thinking, well, you know, I'll, I'll make some of my money back. Just even if the, the investment flops, the video itself is going to be really good. Mm. And it's like another idea to get a video I out see. there. I see. So like I want to do more like that. And if I find that was a company, your first investment, first angel investment. Okay. Not a first ever investment. Yeah, yeah. First ever angel investment. Have you invested in startups before? No. Before this? Okay. No, never before. That was the first one. And then I had two others right after that. That we'll just see how they do. Oh, man. Well, um, maybe maybe I'll, I'll get you excited about investing in entrepreneurs and investing. And you can, you can, you can get yeah. me excited about saving my money. Yeah. Well, what I've really wanted to do, and this is going to happen at the uh, Las Vegas place. But what I want to do is basically do a Shark Tank sort of deal where I could get like me and the buddies together and we'll just invite people on the show just to pitch their ideas and we'll just see if we want to invest in them or invest in their idea. Yeah. And I, but it's, it's tough cause I don't want to just copy shark tank. So we've, but, been, yeah. we've been like developing something in that direction. Really? And yeah. So maybe there's an opportunity well, there to, I would love to be a shark on that. Yeah. It's yeah. Some, something like that. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I wanted to do. And we've come up with a few ideas just on the back end of like, I want to bring 10 entrepreneurs to the house and have them like duel it out over like who gets an investment. Just stuff like that. I wanted to start going in that direction. I think it would be a lot of fun. Mm. I, I'm, uh, I'm down. Go on. I'm definitely into it. All right. I want to make it happen. Cool. Yeah. Well, I, I'd, be, I'd be good with that. I'll tell you one of my ideas after after filming, but okay. I was telling Jack this. But uh, yeah, if, if you would want to travel to Vegas for this, we'd probably do it in like a few months. But I think it would be a really fun concept. You could be one of the judges. I Sweet. think it would be really cool. We'll definitely, yeah, yeah let's make it happen. And cool. just the overall, like the investment space, as I said, Matt has been very much focused on how we can like allocate our money to mm -hmm. go towards investment. Because, you know, with the S theory, it's not just like, it's not just the money that comes. It's actually the main thing that comes is the distribution power and the yeah. access to the community. And we feel like there's just an opportunity for like a creator's fund and being able to like pull together a bunch of creators that very much align and, and can together make some really great decisions on things to invest in that would have like really yeah. uh, high return. So would love to, you know, bring into that conversation yeah. and see if there is. I'd be, yeah, yeah, cool. Synergy there. But that's what I'm realizing too. I think the the big thing with YouTube is that uh, I think initially you see that like, oh, I could sell merch or I could I could get ad revenue or I could come out with a program, but really, like when you get down to it, it's marketing. Yeah. Like big brands, I, for for what you would make a video on, a brand might pay like five hundred thousand dollars just to get to the eyeballs that you were able to do organically for free. Yeah. And that's what I'm starting to realize. It's like you're able to drive so much traffic and attention to places where ordinarily they would never have that reach. Your and CPM for the main YouTube channel must be huge. It is, yeah. Wow. Like what is it at? Uh, 25? 30 something. Yeah, at the peak wow. I think it was almost 40. It was like $38. That was December. This last December was like 38 bucks. Wow. For crazy. context, that's like compared to four to five for us. You get four to five CPM? Yeah. That's that like so your RPM is like two to two yeah. and a half. It's too low. Yeah, I don't get it. See that that's what doesn't make sense well, to me. You also probably yeah. maybe put like an ad or two per video. Like we yeah, there's pre roll, uh, pre roll and uh, post roll. But yeah, we do. You don't do like, mid roll. Uh, we do mid roll for longer videos. Yeah, you got to do mid roll on every video. Yeah, hmm. really. Okay. Because what I've noticed too is that mid rolls, 
um, help the algorithm. I think the algorithm just knows that this video is performing well. It's making more money for YouTube. Advertisers are happy that they get uh, they get more exposure. And because of that, and this isn't proven, I just think the videos do better. And my experience has always been mm. that videos that are heavily monetized, <laughs> heavily monetized, lots of ads, <laughs> heavily monetized, tend to do better for the algorithm. So anytime people are upset at me for throwing in mid-rolls, it's just like, if you want to grow and you want to help YouTube out and you want to help me out, just understand it's a part of the process. You, you throw mid-rolls at, in, in the video, it does better in the algorithm. Yeah. YouTube pushes it to a brand new audience who could get the same message. I think it's a win-win for everybody. And it's better than watching TV commercial. People have gotten so spoiled now over like, oh, I have to watch five seconds of a day. Do you remember when you used to watch like SpongeBob and, yeah, and like at like the peak, minutes. the peak moment, three minutes, you would have enough time to go and like microwave uh, like a hot pocket yeah. Yeah. and then come back and like you're still going through commercials. Yeah. That's what it used to be like. We have it so easy right now. We really do. For free information. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, I'm, I'm open to that idea. Um, but that, that's my advice to you is 50 K a year. I think that's doable. You'd be able to do it. 50 K put that aside and everything else could be your fun money. But I think as long as you have just that foundation of 50 K consistently, you'd be set because no matter what happens, you're always going to have that to fall back on Mm. and you could be set for life. You just got to do that for like 10, 15 years, 50, 50, 50, 50, keep, keep it growing. You'll never have to work after that. If you didn't want to just don't do it in ramen hood. Do it in like a different brokerage. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, here's it. I, I, I don't. I know I'm gonna get hate. I don't. I don't mind Robin Hood. I, I, I don't mind. Maybe, maybe I, now I'll this is gonna be some canceled. Leave it in there. Yeah. Um. I think they're the easiest brokerage just to point at, like a finger at, and be like, you're bad. Uh, a lot of brokerages had issues. Robin Hood, I think, is is the poster child of issues because they've grown the fastest. They're the newest, most disruptive brokerage out there, and I think th- there's a lot of growing pains. They didn't do everything right, but you know. Mm. But if but, you're doing buy and hold, where you're not even checking the app every day, you're checking it like yeah, once I wouldn't every do it year, on, yeah. where you're contributing like fifty thousand dollars at one time. It, yeah, then just yeah. Buy my means my different brokerage. personal belief is that anything over like two hundred grand, it's probably best to go with a big brokerage like Fidelity or Charles Schwab. Most likely, they're Vanguard. They're all great. We're with Vanguard. Vanguard's fantastic. Yeah. So any company that you could physically just pick up the phone and call someone, I, I, for I me actually, over like two hundred grand, that that's the amount. Under like you know, under then, then it's like if you plan, it doesn't matter. I was gonna be like, oh well, I actually put fifty six thousand in the Sapphire IRA this year, but it wasn't my idea, and I would have never done it if I wasn't like if Thomas and Matt were like, you just do it, just yeah. don't. Oh, I'm so glad you did that. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm so glad you need to be doing that every year. And they were like, listen, it's just don't even think about it. It's gonna save you money. Just yeah. trust us. And I was like, well, what if I just. I literally said that. I was like, I don't want to save. I just want to use this money. I'm going to take it. I'm invested in five startups. I don't want to, I don't want to put this. And they were like, well, do both. Yeah. Just like, don't be dumb about it. So you're, you're making enough where you could do both. And it's not like your day-to-day lifestyle does not sound expensive. It's not like you're balling at clubs and stuff like that. So you have so much money left over. I don't drink alcohol. Huge. If you want to cover, I've never been drunk in my life. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's the biggest money saver. See, I stopped, I stopped drinking for the most part. I will have the occasional drink, and I limit it to one, and it's usually not more than, like, once a month. And it's rare. Like, that's a wow. celebratory thing where it's just, like, one drink, if that. Because it's just, Money. I hate the way it makes me feel the next day. Yeah, that's that, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's, uh, 
So yeah, I mean, give that yeah. that your main advice is to put fifty aside. I guess. Is that the same? Thank same you, advice thank you, Matt. Thank you, Thomas. Yeah, I appreciate the. They're on it. Yeah, yeah. they are. On yeah, it. I I would yeah. agree. What else? What what other financial <laughs> questions do you have for us? Oh wow, getting a free consulting yeah. session. Free consulting. Um, what has been your smartest financial decision that you've made in your life? Ooh, asking questions like that now, huh? <laughs> GameStop. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Smartest financial decision. Start a um, YouTube channel. I, no, no, no. I would say the smartest financial decision was uh, probably investing in real estate and and living. No, I would say is living below my means and living so extreme for so long. I would say it really was not until about a year. It was a year ago when I started like spending money a year ago. And even then, it's it's not been like frivolous stuff. But a year ago. I wasn't even in here. I was in an 800-square-foot duplex. It was a one-bedroom, one-bathroom. Um, worked from the garage, and I had kept that up. I mean, I was I was doing even over a million dollars a year, still living in that same 800-square-foot duplex in mid-city. Like, this, this I, I don't want to say it was, like, a bad area, but, like, when you think of the income, you, yeah. you don't think of, like, mid-city yeah. L.A. Absolutely not, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I just didn't spend any money. And that was the best financial decision ever. This this house was the first time I had ever done something for myself. Was this house, and I could justify that it that it made itself back because I was able to do so much better work yeah. from this house in the backyard and just being in a better environment. I got more creative. Did you buy this house? Yeah. Okay. And um, and then the Las Vegas place was was I think a fantastic decision. Just when you look just at all the benefits of living in Las Vegas and no traffic and just all the connections and all the friends there and everything else. It just made sense. But, uh, but yeah, until it was a year ago, that's when everything kind of, not everything kind of switched, but that's when I started loosening up the pocketbooks a little bit. But prior to then I lived on basically like 1500 a month. What about you? Smartest financial decision I've ever made. (laughs) <laughs> lol shouldn't ask jack that the option uh, dogecoin <laughs> yeah what's the least amount of money that you've lost in an investment i don't i mean the f- smartest financial decision i've ever made yeah what's the biggest return you've ever made the that's biggest good, return yeah that's a good question i mean i my dogecoin return was <laughs> wow pretty I, mean, I guess probably the, the biggest return would probably just be um apple okay he's made yeah. 20 dollars on apple no I I, no I I don't even know what i did i like Actually, it would be Dogecoin. <laughs> it would actually be Dogecoin. Yeah, because I got like 1,700% in Dogecoin. Wow. Yeah. Which was pretty nice. Right. It was $100 into 1,700. Yeah. My, yeah, if we're talking about ROI like that, my <clears throat> best investment was actually GameStop. For yeah. you? And I was, I was upset that I, I almost hit a 2,000% return, but I didn't. It was like the peak was like 1,935%. And well, I guess we could talk about it because we're posting this in the future. But I bought into GameStop around like eighteen bucks, and sold half of it wow. at three fifty, three sixty wow. something. Yeah, uh, and that was it. I debated on that one. I'm like, I wanted to hold it, but then I was looking to Jack. I'm like, how I shouldn't get greedy on this, and I'm like, I could see that the the attention on it was 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 like waning down. And, uh, and I, I knew I was going to be posting videos about it and I didn't like, I never wanted to be seen as trying to like, like drive up the cost. I'm like, you know what? Let me, I'll get rid of half. Yeah. Uh, so now I'm left with 50 shares and I'm just, I'm holding those 50 shares for whatever happens, happens, but 
that's my that's my tribute to Wall Street bet. I'm just gonna keep that. I got one share as a tribute as well. There we I got go. It two days ago. Nice. After nice. it was already at like three hundred, but yeah, I, yeah. I was well, like, you're, not for you're not in the for, game. You got yeah. some skin in the game. Not for financial game, but it's for more for a statement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. So after some thinking, I, I would also agree with Graham. My smartest financial decision is uh, living be- below my means as well. Mm. Yeah. Graham knows I'm frugal as well. Yeah. Jack needs to keep that. I'm worried with Jack now that we'll be. I'm telling Jack. Funny enough, I'm telling Jack to like get a Rolex. He's telling me to buy a Rolex. But Jack wants and a Tesla. I'm telling him don't get the Tesla. That. Wait, how? How are? I guess a Rolex is a, not a depreciating. No, it's not yeah, at all. Yeah, he's going to get a wholesale cost Submariner. Ask him how good of a deal that is. it's like he's getting this watch 20% under market. And I guaranteed to him that I would buy the, the watch is, back. I'm locking at any up point instantly whenever he needs the money. I'm locking up like a lot of assets. That's the way that I don't like to, you know what I mean? Cause it's like, going up in value. Capital? That watch is going up. But it's like, like I, you, you make an instant once, 20%. As soon as I put a down payment on a house, I'm done. Like my, my finances are toast. I have nothing after I didn't sell the watch so, and I'll buy it. Okay. All right. Fine. You got me. Wow. Right, fine. That's, yeah. that's but That's I would say, yeah, living decision. beneath my means. <laughs> but also, I've been wanting to ask this question this whole podcast. What is the most uncomfortable thing you have ever done? Wow. I'm sure you've gotten that one. Let me guess a million times. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's like the go-to. I just, I just, it's the craziest thing you've done. Yeah, I, not the most craziest, yeah. but the most like what were you, you were like, oh, this is like odd or uncomfortable. I would say the two days that I spent on the streets of L.A. with nothing. Wow. Yeah. So that was. I don't want to say it was like became homeless in LA because I don't. I don't think there's anything I can do that can simulate homelessness. Can mm. simulate the feeling of not knowing what, when or where I can go back to safety and comfort. But so I approached it through the uh, stoic philosophy of um, um, they have a specific practice called negative visualization, which is you living for a day or two of the, of your year, assuming that the worst happened, uh, and kind of like just going about your day assuming that and living life as if you're responding to the worst. So for me, that was, you know, losing all my privileges, including being able to be presentable, being able to go up to people and express myself and ask for what I want. So I I couldn't even like be begging or asking someone for, for help. I fully took the 48 hours. I only had the face of my cellular Apple, Apple watch, just in case anything goes wrong, I can make a call from it. But other than that, I had nothing. I ate from the trash that day. It's two days, ate from the trash. I walked from Beverly Hills all the way to Santa Monica and then to, to Playa Vista and then to the airport to, to sleep on the second night because it was the only like public place where I wasn't going to get, you know, hassled for, for sleeping because everywhere else, like there's just so much I realized about my life in LA that I took for granted. And then for city that by the day you see homelessness increase, uh, it just, it was such a wake up call. To- Why couldn't you beg? Because I felt like I felt like I, I, I'm very comfortable with that. Like it's I've done, yeah, I've done episodes where I would go to a foreign country and you know be on the street for 24 hours and have the best experience just by asking people. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I I have that skill, and 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 the whole point was to lose all kinds of privilege. That's so that was again to to be living in a city where homelessness is so prominent, and it's something that you, I deal with every day. I'm so happy that I went through the experience because it just was such a perspective yeah. giver. What did you do all day? Was there ever a point where it's like you, I don't know, like well, also yeah. wouldn't you have gotten recognized? So I would, I, that's why I was like sort of invisible. I'm, I wasn't even trying to be in people's, like in people's face. I was just like 
walking, resting during the day because at night it was too cold and it was really hard to sleep. So the whole time we were just focused on survival. Uh, and also the other thing, the reason this was really hard is because you know I'm so social. I like very connected. I'm on my phone. I you know social media, all that, and then all of a sudden, you literally have nothing. You, the only thing you're left with is your mind. There's no, mm. there's nothing to escape to. So I went from like the extreme contrast of having the best support system, the best friends, and like an amazing place to live, and all these things to nothing. And and that I think that contrast was uh, was a really significant one in my just yesterday career. What did you eat? I ate one meal out of the Whole Foods trash. It was the leftover of a drumstick and a bunch of potatoes with hummus on them. That's it. Hmm. Just, Didn't taste very good. I mean, it was, it? It was it t- I mean, it tasted decent. You're it, probably pretty hungry. Yeah, so. I, I, it was, and it was my only meal for the 48 hours. What did you dress? Like, what were you I just wearing? wore, I wore black pants, a t-shirt, and a jacket, and a backpack that had Shh. my point and shoot, and that's it. Hmm. Would you do that? I would consider it. Yeah, I'd, I'd, do, I'd probably do that before I would ever do uh, skydive. Wow. Really? Yeah. I'm t- right? That makes yeah. me even more committed oh, now no. to be like... I mean, no, I mean, I'd rather... No, no, I'm terrified <laughs> of, of, of doing that. No, no, Graham's no, no. terrified of staying yeah. at home all day and lying in his bed. <laughs> I can't know? do that. Well, that's so scary. You brought a friend here. Yeah. I did. Brought Cliff, Cliff Weitzman. Cool. My, my greatest investment ever. As just in terms of like my time with... You want to? Oh, you know what? How are Jack, we doing this? Let's put them. You want to just go right now? Can we? Yeah, because I here, think I'll scoot over a little, a little bit down. Yeah, if you scoot yeah. right here. Yeah, this has been oh. my my greatest investment, both in terms of time, just the time that I've invested spending with this man, and in terms of uh, money. It's my biggest investment that I've ever made, and it's in his startup because I've I literally. And again, this is not at all like I'm not trying to do this like oh I'm bringing him to promote what he's building. It's truly one of the people that inspire me the most and i'm i'm grateful to be introducing cool. to you because thank you you guys yeah. he, he had, we, yeah we saved this all for the podcast i'm like i don't want to hear about it until we're filming yeah <laughs> so so we got evidence but yeah. what for you know cliff you were saying that amar is leaving something out oh yeah oh, what did i leave out you, you have a major expense category that you're forgetting oh shit. which is amar spends a unusually high amount of a personal his personal income on gifts did he bring a gift today? I'm the gift today, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Good first answer. time, yeah. one of the first time we hung out, we, we were answer. playing paddle tennis. So I would have been the partner that was waiting. Um, and there was a lady who was like, oh my God, I love the th- your sweatshirt. Seek discomfort. That's so beautiful. And she didn't know who Amar was. Yeah. And she's waiting for the court. And at the end, he takes off a sweater. He folds it and he just gifts it to her. Wow. And I've seen this happen over That's and over cool. and over again. And he just has this ability to figure out what a per- would make a person really delighted. And he just will go and get it. Thank you. Man. I, it is true. I, I do spend a lot of Well, I like I like gifts. So okay. uh, you, you're welcome back <laughs> I anytime. Your gift is like, skydiving. I like this. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm it, gonna, would, it wouldn't I'm fit me. Make one no. Right no, 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 it's happening. Are you texting? Uh, me. Really? Like, oh, I yeah. love it. Graham, Graham, he gets complimented uh, on this every time yeah. we go out. Yeah. I'm looking at this like I I would I would look like such a boss if I wore something like could you like imagine me walking around with this? Cuz I you you see this and you're like that's money. That's mm. cool. I like it. All right. It's got it's got to be like a small or like an extra small for me. 
Done. All right, but it's less material, so it's, it should be easier Done. to make. So this is your investment here. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to tell the story, story of how we met? I'll tell the story. You tell the story. Right. Okay. So in October of 2019, I got a text one random night being like, hey, there's someone that from a friend of mine, entrepreneur, female entrepreneur here in LA. She was like, you know what? There's someone that I think you should really, really meet. He reminds me a lot of you. And then within five minutes, I got another text from another friend, also female entrepreneur, being like, you have to meet this guy. Turns out that Cliff- the ladies, man. Turns out, <laughs> turns out that Cliff was uh, having dinner with both of them. One of them goes to the bathroom and then he, he sat with the other one. She goes, you should really meet Amar. Then the other one comes back from the bathroom and goes, Demi, you know who he should meet? He should meet Amar. So both had the nice. same thought, uh, like separately. Yeah. And then, you know, when both when both of them texted me that, I was like, okay, well, we gotta meet, we gotta meet this Cliff guy. And honestly, I don't think I ever told you this. I honestly thought it was too unbelievable the first time I met him that I'm like, ah, is this another like Ellie guy who's just saying a bunch of a bunch of things? Mm-hmm. Because he was no so way. unbelievable. I was like, there's no way all these things he's built like all these products in college and he's done all the things that he's saying that he does like he, he was just like yeah usually I hear that it's red flags yeah like yeah. every time someone goes off about that Dude, i'm like i did big time yeah, yeah, big time yeah, so yeah, for yeah. me i was just like i was like well i guess and then and then i don't know what ended up happening i think i what, I, what, I, what made you decide that it was not i know. think i think i started i started hearing about you from other people and then having a lot of these things be confirmed. And I also start following the trajectory of, of Speechify. Like of all these things that, that you're saying that were that seemed so at, like out of the out of your league at the time. Yeah. I was just like, holy bit by bit, month by month, I'm seeing him like get to these things that he said that he wanted to get to. And you know, we end up reconnected, reconnecting when he came back to LA. We just like ever since be, became very, very close and uh uh very invested in what each other are doing. I think out of all the people that I've ever met in my life, there's no one that has like shown such a deep understanding of what is it that we're trying to do with the S theory more than Cliff. And I think in the same way with what he's building as, you know, as someone who's needed the tool that he's building more than anyone growing up, having learning disability and, uh, and having a really hard time just dealing with academics and reading in college. Uh, to, to me, it was like, I, I was also very invested in what he's building. So, Maybe a letter. So him, you invested in clips. I did invest. Yeah, okay. I did. All right, let's see. It was big. Our, my my biggest investment, and you know, really? proudest one. Yeah, yeah. I was just like over a hundred k. No, I wish he. Could, okay. I wish he. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. I swear I would do it if yeah. he let me. Right. I was like, you didn't want that big I, investment. Th- th- there's there's a few people that right. have gotten very mad at me for not letting them invest. Um, <laughs> Well, I want to win best. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Let's let's hear the pitch. Let's All right. hear it. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the background. Um, Speechify. Do I speak to you or do I speak to you or which direction do you want me to Wherever you want. Yeah, I agree. Um, so well, my story yeah. is pretty straightforward. I grew up in Israel and I moved to the US when I was 13. And I'm super dyslexic and I have ADD. So it's very hard for me to learn, to, to read. Like first, second, third, fourth grade, like I sucked at school. Mm-hmm. And I have four younger siblings who are brilliant. So I was just like twiddling my thumbs, not able to spell my name. And my brother is like building websites and making iPhone apps. And my sister like speaks seven languages. And I'm just like, eh. But like, I like, I had an idea of the person that I wanted to be. And that person, one of the things they should be able to do is read. So I would practice reading. And I would always fall asleep in the book. So then my dad started reading books to me. And the first book he read to me was Harry Potter. And I loved it so much. He recorded himself in a cassette tape and I'd walk around the house listening. 
And then we moved to LA when I was 13. And I found an audiobook set of Harry Potter in English. And I listened to that 22 times in a row. To this day, I have the first chapter memorized. Sadly, I lost the British accent. But it made me fall in love with audiobooks. So I listened to two books a week, every week for the last like 16 years. And when I got to college, I went to Brown, I studied renewable energy engineering. Um, I ended up building this app that let me take pictures of physical books and it would read them. And I could upload a PDF and it would read, I could open a website, it would read. And I built everything from like 3D printed skateboard breaks to payments companies and apps and websites. Um, and at the end, I like really wanted to do my own thing. I didn't want to take a job. I had like one internship and I hated it. So I convinced two of my professors to let me stay as a visiting scholar at Brown. Basically, I didn't pay tuition, didn't do homework, lived on campus, ate on meal plan, and I just built stuff and like guest talk classes. Um, and my philosophy is you want to be the person that you needed most when you were young. And when I was young, the thing I needed was someone to read my books to me. And around that time, there's a subcategory of algorithms called deep learning. And they're really good at um, optical character recognition and text-to-speech and translation and parsing. And I tied them all into this hack that I built for myself. And it got really popular at Brown. And then it built this cult following of people like me who had dyslexia and ADD and low vision and concussions and autism and second language learners. Um, and then it got really popular with normal people. So now most of the users are professionals or people in school who use it because they can listen and understand better when they listen compared to when they read, or they can listen faster than they can read, or they do other things at the same time. And so then we built the iPhone app for it, and then we built the How Chrome. How does it work? How does it work? So for the Chrome extension, you can open a website and a little play button appears. Um, so for example, if you're reading about Robin Hood and GameStop, mm -hmm. you're like, damn, this is like a long SEC document, play. And it just starts to play. And I like, I read all, every like contract I read. And I listen at 700 words per minute, which is three and a half times Dude, faster. It's nuts when you walk into, into a room. Can I hear that, 700 words a minute? Yeah. Oh my God. Because oh, I listen is... to all my YouTube videos two times speed. And for me, sometimes that's like not fast enough. Why did yes. that one? Hold on. Is it two times speed? I do audiobooks at 2.75. Oh. Wow. Yeah. He's a super user here. Yeah. yeah. That's that's crazy. We need to, to get you on the chain. No, I, I mean, I, I was telling you, like, I would walk into I would walk into a room where he's listening to something, and I, I have no idea what he's listening. And then I'm like, there's no way you just understood what was just said. And he would be like, oh, yeah, yeah. this is what happened. And he would be listening to, our, uh, like, a news article, and then he would tell me what happened in the news. I'm like, hmm. You can understand that, but the trick is just like you're training yourself. You're training your. You're increasing your capacity bit by bit to like listen faster and faster. And that was all right. Let's yeah. let's hear it. So I listen. The teaching of writing has gotten mixed together with study of literature, and so all over the country, students are writing not about how a baseball team at a small budget might compete with the Yankees or the role of color in fashion or what constitutes a good dessert. About symbols and Dickens, with the result the writing is made seem boring and pointless. Who cares about symbols and Dickens? Dickens himself would be more interested in essay about color or baseball. How do things get this way? Charles Dickens had to go back almost a thousand years, around one thousand one hundred. Europe last began to catch its breath after centuries of chaos, and once they had the luxury of curiosity, they rediscovered what we call classics. What's is that like three X? Like what? Because I just, I only know in like yeah. YouTube three yeah, X. Three X. Wow. What is the normal uh, reading? A speed for a, like a normal human. So reading. the normal person, when they read um, on a digital screen, will read at 180 words per minute. And if you read in a physical book, it'll be 200 words per minute. And most people who use Speechify off the bat are listening at about 240 words per minute because most people like listen a little bit faster than they read. And if you practice, you can start listening really fast, like you do yeah. 2.75x in um, Audible. So when I learned English, like I didn't speak English when I was 13. So I would listen to Harry Potter at 0.75x speed. And then little by little, I increased the speed. Um, and the, the key is that I was using, I started using it for everything. 
And Speechify has an automatic speed ramping algorithm inside of it. So every thousand words, it'll boost you by a little bit. Um, and actually, we're now adding the ability to increase YouTube videos beyond 2x, and you can increase them by like 0.05x increments with mm. a keyboard shortcut. Um, so you can train it. And so when I listen, it, most of the time, right, I, I went and I, <laughs> quiet speechify. Um, I, I used to if go. Do you to get s- texts? Do they just read off like that? <laughs> no, uh, not yet. <laughs> honey, we're building. Honey, dangerous, dinner is ready. Huh? Please come home. It's 9 p.m. It's bad for your curfew. Please come. Thank you. We're Love, mom. Yeah. Stuff <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but um, what, what used to happen is I used to sneak into conferences for kids with dyslexia. And when the keynote speaker would finish speaking, I'd jump on the stage and I'd plug in my computer and I'd demo. And then, like, principals would offer to fly me out to the schools to teach the kids how to use Speechify. And I'd come in, and kids would listen at 240. And I'd come in a couple of months later, and the kids are now listening at, like, 350, 400. And I'd come a couple of months later, and they're now listening at 600, 700. And the principals would go, yeah, um, this is crazy, because, like, this kid was getting Ds and Fs. And what we realized is the speed of the listening needs to match the speed at which their mind is working. And that helps them. Because mm. if you were to f- be forced to watch a YouTube video at 0.5 speed, even though you like the channel, you'd leave because it's so boring. Mm-hmm. And for most people, their reading speed is, is not at the same pace that their, as their brain works. Like yeah. most 19-year-olds today, they grew up on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok. And they move really fast in their brain. But the information intake is too slow. Mm. And so, so I'll, listen, I'll listen at 700, which is three and a half times faster. And I'm number, like there's a leaderboard. I'm number like 2,500 um, in, in the list. Like a lot of people listen way faster than I do. How do you prove that? Do you actually understand? How, how do you, I could just listen at four times speed and then All call right. myself. We listened like, to a thing 10. a second ago, yeah? Yeah. Um, it was talking about the literature in uh, England and how uh, even the writer of Moby Dick would not be interested to read some of that material. Um, yeah, but you memorize. Yeah, I'm sure you've listened to that. Any before. article you want, Graham. No, I've, I've literally yeah, tried this right, yeah. like I've tested that okay. every time. Right. Um, and uh, I mean, right? You listen to 2.7. Yeah, I couldn't understand that. No, no, but but you listen to audiobooks oh, yeah, at yeah. 2.7 x yeah. speed. Um, most people, when you give them those audiobooks, won't be able to listen to them. And you practice over time, right? Yeah. So, what did you listen when you start started listening to Audible? Probably 2x. 2x, and you built up to 2.7 yeah. over time. And you watch YouTube videos off everything two X, yeah, by default. Yeah, um, if you so here's the crazy part. My dad used to hate it when I would listen fast. Amar hates it when I used to hate it when yeah. I listen fast too. Um, and um, he couldn't stand it if I would watch a video at two X speed. And now he watches all his videos at two X speed. He's sixty years old, mm. and he uses Speechify for everything now. Okay, and it's just a matter of practice. So you know. Roger Bannister ran the four-minute mile, and then everybody ran a four-minute mile that year. Mm-hmm. It's just the type of thing where, like, you start at first grade, and and you're supposed to take, like, 10 years to become a fast reader with high comprehension. And we've been reading for thousands of years, but we've been listening for millions of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer your previous question, the way that it works is on Chrome, you just click play, and it starts to read to you, no matter what it is. On iOS, you take a picture of a book, or you send an article from Chrome, um, or you upload a PDF and it reads. Now, my thinking is on websites, sometimes there's so much just noise that's on there. You don't want to read necessarily like who the article stuff. is buying. you got ads. Yep. How does it differentiate the actual content? Of, Great question. Yeah. Smart question. So um, when I first built it, right, it was optimized for PDFs and for books where I could take a picture with my phone and it would read the book. And I tried seven iterations of the Chrome extension before I succeeded in building a parser that was good enough to automatically skip over most of the ads. And so if you click play, it'll just, it, it, it knows just from training and from like 
we just like went to all the most popular websites and, and adjusted it and wrote macros for it to skip the stuff that's irrelevant. Um, and then you can also like pick the section that you want highlighted and, and play. And so for example, 30% of the uses in Chrome are inside of Google Docs and Gmail. And we just built like a play button into Gmail. If you click play, it plays. And one of the cool things is we were talking about like how I met Amar. All of our team are people who I met, either they found like stuff that I wrote on Medium or wherever, or people introduced us. So we're like 25 people. Um, and they're, they're all folks who ended up using it in the same way mm-hmm. um, um, from, from all over the world who, who work on it with us. Um, and they just like keep coming up with ideas of how to make the product better. How do you come up with the voices? How do you keep improving those to make it sound realistic? So today I had a meeting with uh, Morgan Friedman's agent to try and get Morgan's Ooh, voice. How much does Zach, didn't he do? He a did a, lot. He did a GPS a long time ago. I, I don't think it was Waze. He did one of the old ones back in like, this, this must have been 2006 or seven. Back when GPSs first started being like, a, I used a Garmin. Remember those, the yeah, Garmin yeah. GPSs? There was like a Morgan Freeman. How much is that? Like, it's got to be like 10 million bucks, 20. No, not 10 million. <laughs> no? Bucks. No, it's expensive, but it's not that expensive. Really? He, he's actually, you know, he's ha- he has already other celebrities on like a celebrity voices as a part of Speechify. Yeah, Trevor like, Noah. Uh, do they just read the entire dictionary? So here's what we do. Yeah, I, I've seen how they do this. It's so interesting. You explain it. Uh, I was actually at Gwyneth Paltrow's house um, last week, and I just recorded her reading a bunch of stuff for the app so we can make her voice. Um, it used to be the text-to-speech was what was, it was made with the thing called concatenative text-to-speech. They'd copy and paste speech utterances together, and I am a computer. I can talk to you. Then deep learning came around. Um, I don't know if you ever saw like right, the computer that beat the best world player in Go, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it builds the sound wave from the ground up. And so then you have like this corpus, this engine that's really, really good at reading, but it's like kind of a unisex engine. And then let's say you want Trevor Noah's voice. So you pepper in the South African accent. And all I need is like a couple of hours of audio. At this point, we've gotten it down to I need 40 minutes. And boom, it sounds like the native speaker. David Attenborough, you guys know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It's, he's, his uh, voice he's, is the, <clears throat> he's the narrator. Discovery. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. it sounds good. This is the exactly. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. His, And it's crazy when you actually listen to it because I think his intonations lend themselves to to work well in like a, like a computer-generated voice. Yeah. It's so good. Like you actually, it actually feels like David Attenborough is, is reading you a book. I want Gilbert Gottfried. That's Ooh. who I want. All right. You, you know what? I logged the request. <laughs> what, what's really... I got the dictionary. You know what's really cool is, yeah. is that you know, in Speechify, you can, you know, at some point you'll be able to just record if your mom's voice is one that you'd like is really soothing to you, that then you would, can. That's crazy. I would love oh, that. So I what, would love that. Yeah. Just a voice of a loved one. Yeah. Imagine that as a Christmas gift. Like so, you just talk for 40 minutes and then whatever you want is in is, that person's yeah. voice. So two things that we're doing That right would now live on forever. Is um, we're, we're going to release probably later this year. Um, you'll be able to re- upload anyone's voice. Um, and if I sent Amara a text message and he clicks play, it'll play in my voice. Or my mom texts me, it'll text in Now we're talking about for sound uh, no, deep fakes and stuff mirror, like yeah. that, right? Um, yeah. and, and so every contact in your address book has a speechify voice associated with it. But the other cool thing is exactly what you're saying, memorialized voices. So if you have loved ones that are going to pass, you better make sure that you upload their voice to speechify because they might pass, but their voice can stay forever. I think everyone would do it just based on that. Yeah. Like everybody, like you hit the age of, I don't know, 70 and yeah. you do just you automatically will do this. Yeah. How do you prevent copycats? Because it sounds like once you get the, the template and the framework, anybody would be able to go and just kind of make 
something similar. It's vi- so okay. This is a question I'm gonna bounce back to you. The trick with building companies that are like fast growth startups um, is it's all about the company, the team. Um, and so we build at such a fast rate um, that it's very, very difficult to keep up. So that's number one, that's the most important part. And then the second I wanna ask Amar why he decided to invest in Speechify and why really all Yes Theory has ended up investing with us um, because I'm sure that's the reason. The second reason is the UX is really good. It's just like very, very easy to use. And you end up with a data mode because once you upload, right, all the article, you, you, have you ever used Pocket? No. So the problem with Pocket is a lot of people love using Pocket, but you never actually read the material. With Speechify, let's say you have 25 tabs open. It goes, oh, 18 of your tabs are long form content. Would you like to collapse them into a folder on your iPhone? And if you go around and walk or drive, you can just click play and listen where you stop. And you're like, yeah, that'd be great. So then all the material you want to listen, it's like, it's already there. It's like this expensive switching costs. Uh, so a lot of the voice stuff is proprietary. For example, if we get the agreement with Morgan Friedman, that's it. Like there's an exclusive agreement with Morgan Friedman. You can't have his voice elsewhere. How is that? So, but doesn't he already have his voice out, out there like with ringtones and yeah, like, voicemails? Yeah, but the, the exclusive like, is like you can't lend your voice to another text-to-speech application that reads PDF and news. So okay, yeah, so you can pretty use it. Specific. Okay. Yeah, and it's like it's dynamically generated. So the cool part is, right, um, anything you want to read about finance, Anything you read in your like masters in medicine, anything you're reading for your for your job, my emails, uh, it dynamically generates everything. Imagine my voice, like people could pay like ten bucks just read a book in my voice. Yeah, would do that's, that. not, that's not hard to do. I would love that. We're doing a partnership yeah. with a couple of YouTubers right now, yeah. um, where we're making their voice. Thomas's voice is gonna be yeah, yeah. and then uh, and then it le- and then yeah, you can promote your 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 Speechify link, and if someone uh, buys Speechify from your channel, they but can you have know your what's voice. gonna happen? People could easily just create like a fake web page where I say something I didn't say. And then play it back, be like hidden audio. Grim admits to something. You know? <laughs> and what you do here's the trick: is you have a high frequency tone that's inside that you can't remove, so you can always prove that it wasn't you. Oh, that's good. Yeah. How many users do you have? Um, many, many, many millions. So Speechify has been like the number one app in the magazine and newspapers category on Apple for the last like ten months, above the New York Times and Wall Street Journal. Um, so it started with like very few, and then it just grew a lot. And why the investment? With this guy? Yeah, just in general. Because I, I love him and I want him to succeed as we continue to grow. And he also is one of the best product thinkers I know. Do you know what's, can you say like what the valuation is right now? Or I can't like, say the valuation. Can't, no. You can't say that. Okay. Yeah. Have you gotten buyout offers? A lot, yeah. Exceeding like 50, 60? A, a lot. Like yeah. mo- most companies that you can think of. So, like, right, among our investors, mm-hmm. um, the founder of Robinhood, Vlad. Yeah. Um, the, Charles Schwab. Was Charles Schwab, yeah. uh, Gary Cohen, um, the, the founders of, of Grammarly, of Audible, um, of um, who else? Brex, Plaid. Mo- like most really fast growing startups. Yeah. Um, and for the most part, what we've done is like we try to dodge like the bigger VCs and take it money from like founders who've built stuff uh, because there are other people who are actually super useful because yeah. they can like give you the advice that's mm-hmm. valuable. And I I don't know even if if you're good with me saying that it's it's not a ch- it's not a cheap cert, like product. No, it's, not. it's it's 140 bucks and you pay it right 140 and you pay it right away like after a week of using it. So for him to have millions of users that actually made the financial decision to pay 140 bucks that means something. And wow! I, so it's free to download, free to use for a week, and then it's 140 dollars to try it out. Subscription service. It's a subscription service. You pay after the 12 months. So. Just to be clear, there's many millions who are free users. Oh, I see. And then there's, yeah, a a, a lot who are also paying users. Um, 
and, and the difference is in the quality of the voices. So you can have voices that are, are lower quality and then you can have really nice voices. Um, um, you put your voice on there? No. You got a pretty nice voice. Thank you very much. Uh, later. If you have an audience that likes your voice, um, all I need is like an hour of your audio and then I can put your voice on Speechify. And then if anybody comes from your links and buys Speechify, then you get a cut of the Yo, fee. People say I have an annoying crazy. voice. <laughs> I get caught. I hate your voice, Graham. Your voice is horrible. But some people <laughs> like your voice. Some, so, a few some people do. Some weirdos. Like, <laughs> psychos like my but, voice. Yeah. So, so, Amar, to answer Graham's more important question, why did you end up investing in Speechify? The money. <laughs> no, I mean, because it, it was truly the product that I would have wanted to use the most. It was the product that I wanted to build the most that in 2015, I found a piece of paper that I actually sent him a photo of uh, when I was doing brainstorming on my tech startup building at the time. And I, it was like one random night where I just wrote on the side of like, basically like the idea for not speechify, but something, something very, very similar. Like I want something to achieve the same functionality because I couldn't think of a product that I would use more given that I'm also dyslexic very ADHD, always had a hard time just like focusing and, and, and reading and consuming knowledge in that way. And it's prevented me from, I mean, now like I use Audible to listen to books, but you know, anything that doesn't have a real human listening to it, I, that's kind of, it rules it out from the things that I would read or not. But now just being able to literally like, if I'm given a piece of paper and I could just take a photo of it and have it be read to me, that's, that's mm. pretty life-changing for, you know, someone, someone like me and and, and again, for someone also speaks, speaks English as a second language, I see how this can be like a game changer for people to like learn languages. And, you know, what opened up the whole world to me is the fact that I spoke English. It's literally, it comes down to the fact that I just was able to speak English because, you know, it's like, otherwise I'm, my knowledge is just limited to what is an Arabic and what's an Arabic can just be, you know, a specific perspective that might not necessarily be the perspective that I want of the world. So... It, to me, it was like more of like a like a, an emotional decision. I was just like, I I I want to see every person using this, and I want to use my platform to be able to bring it to every person that could potentially benefit from from that product. Yeah. Do you do other languages? Uh, it works in all languages, and it also does auto translation between languages. Okay. Is there a feature to help kids learn how to read? Great question. So there is a feature called automatic speed ramping that helps you improve your listening speed over time. There's a feature that we're going to release later called the language learning algorithm. And so it works in two ways. The first one is when I learned English, I didn't, I didn't speak English, but I knew what like Harry Potter was and Hogwarts and Alohomora. So I could like understand the context of Harry Potter. Um, and so you start where the 500 most commonly used words are spoken to you dynamically in the language that you want to learn. And then as you improve, more and more of the words happen in the other language. Mm -hmm. So let's say I want to read Portuguese. And if I get to a certain level, I could just take things that are in Portuguese and listen to them, but the really difficult vocab words are dynamically read in English. And as I improve, it just increases the difficulty rate. And it's across everything you want to consume. You know what would make a ton of money, man? Um, is something where you could take a picture and it translates it to your language. Like, it was already here. Yeah. Really? That's, okay, that's what I would love. Google Translate do that? Mm -hmm. With pictures? Mm -hmm. yes. Really? But, but they do it in that. a way yeah. where like, you can take a picture of a sign, it'll read the sign. Right. With Speechify, you could just like, I could, I've done this in the past. I'll take a book in Japanese, I'll scan the first chapter, and then I'll say, translate to English, and then it just reads the book in English. Mm. And the thing about the way Speechify converts text to speech is that at some point, this 
deep learning, this deep machine learning is going to be able to take an article that's maybe written for college, uh, college level oh, yeah. reading and it can give it back to you in like 10th grade because that's cool. It's like literally, it has synthesized everything and it understands exactly what the article is trying to mm. say that it can give it to you. And then I, that's also like, I see that being such a game changer for, for lang- for people who are learning how to, for learning new languages. Yeah. Just uh, the, the overarching computer science behind it is like people think about AI as like take over the world. Like that's not what's going to happen in the next like 10 years. Um, the way that AI is really interesting is AI is just computer that teaches itself and it's a system for learning. And what's ma- really interesting today is narrow AI, the application in AI in narrow fields. For example, the optical character recognition of taking a picture of this can and have it turn into digital text. The um, uh, data building of the sound wave so it can speak. Uh, the ability to dynamically do natural language processing to summarize something in a way where I can rewrite the sentences from scratch. So it's a 100-page article turns into a five-page document that's like accurately summarized. Mm. And that's a lot of the stuff that we do internally. Mm. What's your end goal with it? Are you going to sell it off? No? To, no? Um, dude, we have, we've, 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 we've had so many SPAC offers yeah. at this point. Okay. Um, so the great thing about Speechify is, number one, like when I graduated college, I could have gone and like just chilled on a beach somewhere because I had like the kind of news companies. Um, but the goal was if I was a billionaire right now, what would I want to do with my life? And my answer was I want to solve dyslexia. And I got very, very lucky that Schwab saw a video of Speechify early and sent me a message and we ended up meeting and he ended up being one of the first investors. Um, and if I was a billionaire, what I would want to do is, is go work on that. So it doesn't matter who you are, where you are. I want to make sure that reading is never a barrier for learning to anyone. Mm. And the thing that really strikes me as odd. So for example, India is our fourth fastest growing country right now. And Africa as a continent also grows really, really fast. So I just had a call with a woman from Zambia and she's doing grad school in nursing. And um, she like reads decent, but like not fast enough to be able to have an easy time doing a master's in nursing. So she uses Speechify for everything. Um, and so it started off as an accessibility tool, and then it turned into a productivity tool, and now it's becoming a literacy tool. And so my goal is I should be able to go into any office, any school, and say, hi, my name is Cliff. I have dyslexia and ADD. Um, anyone here has this here too? Cool. Anyone heard about Speechify? Sweet. Who uses Speechify? And all the hands should stay up. Um, but the long-term vision is not just having this like utility that's a great consumer subscription. It's you get to the point where people are consuming trillions of words per week on your platform, and you're able to start building an audio profile to recommend to people based on their completion rate, not the, the clicking of the title, um, the things that are most relevant to them. Um, because there's just, the world was desktop first and then it moved to mobile first. So like, so you would create like a YouTube algorithm where it's like, oh, you like reading investing articles. Well, let me suggest these other investing articles. That's right. You know, it would and make a lot of money. Too. I just think about oh. everything that would make money. Get this really quick. Yeah. Throw in an ad right in the middle of it like right at the peak interest and then it's like by the way go go and use weeble where you could get four free stocks down below in the description click the link and like a link comes up on the app and you click the link you get your four free stocks down below in the description when you deposit a hundred dollars on the platform (laughs) (laughs) well Well played well played um yeah what was i gonna say um the biggest thing is that you know how, how do you consume yeah the world it's either through your YouTube browser, YouTube and Reddit, yeah. YouTube and Reddit, exactly. Yeah. Listening at this point and watching. Uh, uh, listen, YouTube. listen, YouTube, uh, Reddit, reading. Yep. Yeah. But like in terms of your access to the internet, you're accessing that either through apps that are trying to get you to stay 
on YouTube, on the, yeah, on, these, right. uh, yeah. on your device, on your device for as long as possible, so that you can continue consuming the world through them. Yeah, or your browser, uh, because it's how you you go onto any website. Imagine the point where you're able to consume just just all, the whole, all the the whole internet by listening, and for that pipe that that controls that being Speechify, all of a sudden you have. You know exactly what people are reading, up to what point they're reading it. You know exactly who are the most prominent writers uh, uh, on the rise because people are having more completion rates for their articles past anyone else. Like all of a sudden, you're just able to identify so much about what people are genuinely interested in because right. reading is such a specific, mm-hmm. meticulous task. It's not just like you can't just passively, I mean, you can't passively read, but it's different than passively watching something or like scrolling right. through it. But the, oddly enough for reading and stuff like that, I, I guess for me, it's more so Spotify or I'll listen to a podcast yeah. and that'll be like my version of reading and just listen to it. So exactly. yours is basically just doing that, but taking the text that's already up there. Yeah, just- so for me, um, I, I love books. I hate reading, but I love books because they're really dense sources of information. Um, but there's books that I just, I can't, they don't have an audiobook, right? Or a Wikipedia article or a, re- a, lo- a long Reddit thread. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and there's like so much good text that exists on the internet. Like I want to read. I remember when I was young, I wanted to know how planes fly. And, and I would go to the Wikipedia article and read the first sentence. I get a little bit bored. Second sentence, I'd quit. But now like I just like I walk around and I listen to it. Yeah. Um, and so if you are an auditory learner and you use Audible or you use podcasts or you use YouTube, and you're assigned a textbook for school, it makes it just easy to consume. Same thing for any other source of, of medium. So it's not to replace them, but it's to allow you to add text. Do you well. worry about, let's say, I write this really amazing article and it's mine, but yes. then I'm pissed that like, wait a second, everyone's consuming it through your app and you're making money from my thing and people aren't going to my website on mm. that. You ever concerned about that? So the trick there is you do attribution for those creators and you make sure that um, A, it links back to their article. B, if you run ads like they get credit for it in the same way that youtube does how would how would that work because then wouldn't everyone have to sign up for ads like let's say i write a medium article for free throw it up there and then you're running ads but i don't know that you're making money on that yes so right now we don't run ads on speech right. and we don't intend to for a very long time because the subscription covers everything and there's also like most of users use the free version mm-hmm. um it's only the power users that subscribe and for them like it saves you like five hours per week so it's a no-brainer um, one thing that we're doing now is if you are a creator, let's say you had a blog and you wrote your blog somewhere, you can include a speech to, the link to Speechify. And if someone clicks on your link and, and listens, then you, you get paid by Speechify. You wouldn't need to register in the same way mm-hmm. that you would need to register for, for YouTube. Um, but yeah, like the way of, of protecting content is really important. So right now within Speechify, there is no way for you to discover content inside of the app. Anything that you read you need to find somewhere else, right? So you take that book and you scan it. You go to your website and you click read on, inside your browser. 50% of the time, people have the phone open when they're listening. So they look and listen at the same time, which increases retention and comprehension. Um, but you can then also take a walk if you want. Hmm. Later, we'll need to cross the bridge that you're describing. Cool. cool. I like the, it. Uh, thanks, thanks for the pitch. I got appreciate it. it. Well, Shark Tank I'll, round one. I'm going to yeah. use it. Yeah. I like it. I'll throw in ten grand today, but five million dollar valuation today, cash, cash. There you go. You making money? <laughs> Did uh, your valuation go up? I'll, 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 uh, I'll, 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 I'll flip it now? on you. I'll pay you ten k, and 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 you uh, promote Speechify. We'll give you a cut of the number of people who download it. 
Could that be a <laughs> welcome our video the, yeah, sponsor yeah. today? Speech, <laughs> this video sponsored yeah. by Speechify. We'll, we'll, we'll link right, we'll, everything down yeah, in the description. We'll, we'll, we'll take your ten grand on that. We'll, right, let's do it, guys. I, brought, I wasn't just a guest. I brought the sponsorship as well. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate this. This has been probably it's so much fun. Just being able to chat and talk. It, it's just a trip. It's, it's a nice. trip meeting. Yeah, like, I keep looking you. over and like, oh. I can't, I can't yeah. believe it. Seriously. Oh, man. Because I remember watching you guys, oh. like, now six years ago. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it's just, it's wild. Thank you so much. Yeah. What an honor. Thank Crazy. you. And I definitely thank you for the advice. And I hope to stay in contact and just, like, continue consulting with you on, yeah. you know, how how I can live a financially healthier life. And, and I think it's... I was just talking to Matt about this. It's very much within, you know, our interest to have the topic of like discomfort and finance be one that we, you know, discuss more in 2021. So I hope that we find yeah. ways to collaborate. Whatever you need, like Amazing. you could just shoot me a text. Perfect. I don't care anytime. Perfect. Yeah, Thank whatever you. I can help with. Amazing. Cool. Cliff. Thank Amazing. You. Good pitch. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. Cool. So with that said, you guys, thank you so much for watching. Really appreciate it. We'll link to all the information down below in the description. Oh, you got to say to like the video. You have to say, like, guys, please. Destroy like, the like button. Destroy the yeah, like button, button for the YouTube algorithm. All right, guys, please destroy the like button so that the algorithm can recommend this video. Uh, make sure you leave a comment. Let us know what really stuck out to you in this episode. And we'll see you for the 40th episode not me but these guys yeah right. right after you get your four free stocks four free stocks for the 40th episode down below in the description it's totally free it's like basically free money so if you want free money you may as well just go and do that Bam. so thanks guys until next time cheers okay just say um just just say uh, welcome back to the 38th ever episode of the iced coffee hour okay my name is amar and so far we have made and then just say the amount of money which I'll pull up right here <laughs> that we have made so far okay. on the podcast. 36454. Okay. Cool. Got it. So what's up everybody? I'm my, I'm Amar from Yes Theory yeah. and we are on the 39th episode ever, ever. of oh. the Ice Coffee Hour. What is it? Ice Coffee Hour. hour. Ice Coffee Hour. Yeah. Okay. Got you it? Just, yeah, you can just wing yeah. it so far just, the, the just podcast is yeah. made 36454. Yeah, and then yeah. say the Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, into which one? Probably the same. Uh, right? That big one right there. That's just on you. So that's okay. your angle. 